I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Coffee and Cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. That did hit the rim. And Melendez can't pay it off. Offensive rebound, danger, and the slam works this time. Six in the clock, Hawkins. Hooks a three. No shot clock reset. Got to get it up with three to go. And he drills it. Can't the backboard. Baseline, make it again. RJ Melendez. Wilson fakes on a three, dribbled in and kicked it out. He's still here. Oh, ball chance. Here's Grady, a deep three. He buried it. Grady Dick from 25 feet. Rebound, KJ Adams. Should have numbers. Here comes KU McCullough to the cup. Right hand layup, good. And the foul, a chance at a three-point play. Plays it right side to Wilson, promptly back to one. They feed it into Kevin, posting up, turns with a jump hook, gets it to Carlin. It hung up on the front lip for what felt like three seconds and then fell home, KU by three. Coffee and cream in the morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. He's Damon Benning. I'm Andrew Rogers. DB looks much better on his camera right now. I think mine is still trying to connect via YouTube, where you can catch us right now, live on YouTube, live on Twitter. It's 590 ESPN Omaha. And then from the 9 to 10 hour, we will be on KFOR in Lincoln. Happy to have you with us on this fine Tuesday morning. Not too shabby after the 52-degree day we had yesterday. Is that uh, what it got to? I believe so. 52. I believe so. It could have gotten a little higher, maybe maybe a little bit lower than that amount. But I, if I remember checking during the show, it was 52. Two. Yeah, didn't you say fifty nine? I said something. Yeah, I think it's yeah, fifty eight, fifty nine. Probably felt like fifty nine though. And I think uh, I was asked, I think I was asked, checking with Barry. Yes, you were. Yeah. <laughs> you and, and he hit me with the right checking forecast. With Barry. I don't yeah. know if, if my if my family could kind of just sit with any sort of self control for that long for you know a couple of hours and just shoot the breeze. Well, we don't have a four year old. Without no, I'm talking about like. Not my immediate family, oh, like you oh know, your my, family, yeah, my sisters, my mom. Uh, yeah, I don't know. My my sister Kim, that's in St. Louis, you'd like a ton. You have very similar personalities, and it's weird. I'm sure, she likes emos. She's an Aquarius as well, so she's February. Does 5th. that matter? Okay, I'm a big astrology guy. Do zodiac signs I matter? Think I see. I believe so. Because I believe, yes. Does that really tell you about a person? Well, or is it just coincidence? I mean, it's a lot of coincidences if it is. My barber, D-Knight, he is uh, huge into astrology and, and zodiac signs and char- you know personality traits. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of cool, too, because he gets all walks of life. So, you know, he tries to compare and contrast. But um, it... it uh, I didn't go outside much yesterday, except for you and me both. Except for 
one of my dogs has a toy, this little octagon squeezy thing, that if you give it to him, he's good for like two hours. Literally. And he'll sleep like a baby. But I'm a little paranoid because of the wet weather and the grass, so I don't want him along the fence line because there's another dog next door that's out sometimes, and I just don't want any pawing at the, the dirt or whatever. So I stayed out there and watched him for a little bit just to make sure because now I'm starting to kind of train him not to go over there. Like they know it's bad news if, if either one of them goes over there. Uh, they're still dogs, and they, they, they're they tempted. Yeah, they they test the water. But I should have stayed out there longer because it would have bought me time in between streaming off the, from the West Coast Conference watching San Diego and Nebraska, Nebraska because it for for being under time constraints, that game still seemed to take an eternity. And well, what sense did it make? If you're going to – if first pitch is at two, and you agree to not start another, was it a pitch or an inning? Either way, it's tough. I think it was another in, a new inning. After 5 p.m. Central, you weren't going to play a three-hour game anyway. I don't. Th- I mean, not the fourth, not the fourth game of a yeah, no, of a weekend. Till. You would have to think that that game was ending, right? I mean, it was, it was going to be short regardless. But they still got seven innings and scored 32 runs. So you'll do that. You can still play a, a rapid a, – a, what's not – so there's a difference between pace and duration, right? Like the pace wasn't moving along. The time of the game wasn't super long. But between the yapping and the talking, and it kind of started – Coach Bolt wasn't super happy, I think, with the gamesmanship the first two first two days. And it could have come across kind of like sour grapes – but I think he had a legit gripe, man. I have no idea what San Diego was doing. But to only to only have seven hits and score 16 runs was an, was why that game appeared. How about to kind only of having punzel- four hits and scoring 15 runs? So, yeah, Stumanji, my guy, he, he had he, – I follow him on Twitter. Three hits. Or th- nine runs on three hits, and it went like walk, hit by pitch, yeah, it's not, single. It's not. Uh, and then grand slam, s- something like that. Walk, home run. Not good. I'm close. No, yeah. I mean, it, it it actually it went walk, walk, air, sack, fly, bunt, single, walk, grand slam, walk, home run. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and they busted it open, and <laughs> Nebraska proceeds to come back and score like twelve unanswered. But I, I am uh, personally I'm concerned about Drew Christo because that's my guy. His dad, Monty, is one of my best friends. And remember, I asked him off air. We were talking on the phone preseason. Hey, how's Drew coming? And um, just can't, just can't get command of a second out pitch. It's not just him. Oh, I know it. It's it's, it's so, the entire back end. So, but those guys outside of Christo are are older like what is going Mm -hmm. on yeah you would not expect your your veteran pitchers to go out there and not be able to throw strikes you would expect that out of your young guys you know as you kind of settle in to the college game you know your first weekend series the jitters are up you're feeling it um it it makes sense but what's inexcusable 
is the ones that have been there before, been there, done that, and are still kind of losing all sight and sound from the game. What was the clip that you pulled up yesterday from For the Love of the Game? Clear the mechanism. Clear the mechanism, right? <laughs> yeah. When Kevin Costner's on the mound. We were watching that. Sounds, <laughs> uh, let's just say it, it was loud. Everything goes away, right? It yeah. was loud, but you clear the mechanism, everything goes away. It was almost as if Nebraska couldn't clear the mechanism this weekend. They could not get sight of themselves. They would come in, and even some of their best guys, as you stated, and the first batter that they'd face would be a walk. And when well, you put a guy on base, Shannon. it goes downhill quickly every time. That's how it works. Pass after pass after pass after pass for Shannon, and you're like, "Wait, what? Did you realize? Did you realize that San Diego drew 20 walks and was hit by 10 pitches yeah. in this series? 10 pitches? No, I, I. So I thought you would be moved by just the seven hits, but 16 runs. Seven hits, to, yeah, and they only no, left two on it, base. It was the hit-by-pitches for me that, like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I sat back and doing a little self-reflecting, as I think Nebraska's <laughs> probably doing right now. Yeah. And I sat back and thought, if I was on the mound, could I hit ten batters in a series? Oh, like, Yeah, I probably could. Yeah. Maybe not 10. I'd hit a few. But we also don't play college baseball. Yeah. <laughs> and this isn't a knock on Nebraska at all because Will Bolt knows how frustrating it was throughout the uh, series not like watching his pitcher have, have no sense of command. Uh, he, I wonder what Coach Christie's thinking. That's the thing. Yeah, second tier there. Um, but this is what Bolt said after the game. The simplest thing you could do as a pitcher is just throw the ball over, over the plate. plate yeah. Or else you don't deserve to be on the mound. He's, I mean, he, that's, that's he didn't take it lightly on no, his team. That's how he is from the too, first series. So, I mean, but I, I kind of feel like I, I, it's it's and it's so early, so I have to. So you just have to wait, you know, a little bit. But and you try to flush last year, but I always I go back to the line that Coach Satterfield said at. The coaches clinic, and it's along the lines of if you're not if you're not coaching it, you're allowing it. You know, along those lines. But he said, "Hey, listen. You know, the more you find yourself saying what they should do and woulda coulda, the more reflection of it is of, of how they're being mm-hmm. coached." And so, I, I I wonder like what the the talk is internally. Because I think everybody felt good about the staff, the versatility, the arms. You had two quality guys, at least from a stuff standpoint, uh, at the top of the rotation. But that was yeah. That's not the problem. The, the that starters the, are that the starters not, were, were not, okay. The first two, I think, what was it five three seven three, and it's not always indicative of how they pitch. So yeah, you're right. But I'll just be curious. To see, like, because how long can you, what is it, a, is it a month process? He just doesn't strike, Coach Bolt just doesn't strike me as the type of guy that, I mean, what did he just say? <laughs> you don't deserve to be out there. Mm-hmm. We're only talking about the first weekend. Right, yeah. Right? And if you can't throw strikes, you don't so deserve to be on the mound. So it doesn't strike me as the, the type of staff that will be super patient. So, I mean. No, especially from the bullpen, too, because now you're starting to think. Yeah, but okay, what are you going to do with Perry Buns and Shanneman? Right. Not a darn thing. Right. Are you? 
Right. Well, and when you look at the starters, you're you're going to have to now start to think. Although Clark I, struggled to, a little, I'm going to have to leave him in longer because nah, I don't I, know. if you it's early. If, if you don't have somebody that can come out of the pen though and at least be relatively productive, it's early. You'll have to think at least at some point. Maybe I have to give him a longer leash. Yes, yeah. it's early. I'm yeah, you got to stretch there. him out a little. bit. I'm completely there, but you know it Maybe at some point where they're yeah. like, who do you feel comfortable right now coming out of the pen? Anybody? Not after this weekend. Right. So, I mean, going into the next series, if we're just Although thinking I immediacy. Am, I still want to know how Cristo lost it so quickly. First, his first, it, you know, his first inning pitch, it was, was crisp. But then the Aaron Wild throw, the plonk, and then it's like. <whistles> I, I, maybe and it's, it's a, a snowball con- effect in con- baseball. Con- confi- oh, yeah. Yeah. See, that's. I, I've said this for. I don't know. I'm 48, soon to be 49, so 33 years since I was a junior in high school. I think baseball is the most difficult sport of the of the true team sports to be good at. I do. There is so much downtime in between pitches and at bats individually. There's a lot of time mm. to think. Your mind wanders. And How many times <laughs> do you catch yourself if you're on the field just looking at the other team's dugout or it's, looking up into the seats or turning around and looking at it? Clear, clearing the mechanism. Say you're it's, at Haymarket and you're looking at the highway, it's right? Difference. It's just a, diff- it's, it's a ridiculously difficult sport. And, you know, even when you're on offense, you don't have the ball, which is weird. <laughs> If you're gonna be on offense, like you just you're just always on the defensive. So I, it's emo- the mental side of baseball is is absolutely ridiculous, just because of the downtime. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you you make a play, you don't make a play you should have made. Uh, how soon before they get a ball back to you? Sometimes right. if you don't well, want that, the ball hit back to you, then it automatically finds yeah. you. Yeah, the thing is, <laughs> hey. Uh, Another point that you just made is completely true. But if you make a mistake on the field, you're now thinking about that mistake for a long period of time. You can't let it go because there isn't that next play for you. Say you you play football and you're a DB and you let a receiver make a 50-yard play down the field, but then you know they're going to go after you again because you're like, oh, you just got beat. You make a pass breakup. Now you're back, right? You're there. But if you make an error in baseball, you're absolutely right. Who knows when the ball's coming to you next? And then when you least expect it, here comes that baseball on a screamer, a rocket, your direction. What are you doing? It's funny you said let it go. I, I couldn't sleep last night. I thought I was going to go to bed, and then no. So I'm up, and I'm just watching normal people, right? They just use their phone or, you know, have an AirPod, and they just listen to music on their phone. Not you. Nah, not me. For <laughs> not whatever the you. reason, For whatever the reason, I was on YouTube on my television just downloading video after video. <laughs> just, just song after song. I mean, this went on for roughly, I don't know, probably two hours. And one of the songs that came up was uh, Let It Go. It was... Uh, is it James Bay? Yeah. Uh-huh. I believe so. So a log, you know, and on and on YouTube they show you like other songs like in similar genres or people have also watched or whatever. And the Frozen deal was on just so they had the cartoon video and then they had whatever the 
the lady's name is that sings the actual real song. You oh, it's not Elsa? Elsa doesn't Do you realize she that doesn't ne- sing that song? Hey, do you know I never even knew like that was a real song with a video? I was like, wait a minute, I thought this was just a cartoon song. <laughs> no, that's actually <laughs> I'm like, what is wrong with me? Should I, do I, should I have known that? Like I she has like a video. Like well, a real MTV when they used to show videos, mm-hmm. video. Right. So if, if we looked up, say, a whole new world from Aladdin, that would like, be would like, that would that have a music video? I don't. I'm sure. I don't know. I mean, I. <laughs> I, I would. I would I, think I'm, yes, I, but I'm maybe sh- not. I'm. I'm sure. Since I went down this this rabbit hole of like America's Got Talent, and I was watching the Nightbird. The young lady that died from cancer. I, and I didn't realize that her husband, she had been married for five years. And once her she had her diagnosis, like for whatever the reason, traumatic, like he left. Yeah. Oh, man. And then she had like these mental health issues just from all the. So anyway, uh, it was the top ten facts on Nightbird that I scrolled through on YouTube. Oh. <laughs> Do you know what her Zodiac sign is? <laughs> no. I don't. I do know she's from Zanesville, Ohio, though. Zanesville, Ohio. Fun fact for everybody out there. Nightbird. Zanesville, Ohio. That is DB's gal, too, because I feel like her name pops up once a month Uh, every time I see you. It's okay. It's okay. Good tie. Yeah. So I hope it's going to be okay for for baseball just because it seems like on paper there's such promise. Yeah. And And I think the fans were more than cautiously optimistic. So you don't want one weekend to spoil mm-hmm. what's going on, but I mean you got to figure it out. Yeah, for me it it as much as I get on them for some poor play this weekend, I do sit back and remember that it's week one. Yeah, it's the first weekend, and uh, you don't want to judge a team, especially in baseball, from one weekend. Now you didn't grab a win though, so it, it is something to take note of. You can talk about the things that they can do better, but also maybe take away some of those positives. Like a name I brought up yesterday was Dylan Carey. Yeah, he is. And what did he finish? Seven of eighteen or eight for seventeen? I have the. I think he was seven of eight. Eight, eight of seventeen. I was close. You were close. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you were close. No, but the freshman had two ding dongs. One again last night. Yeah, or yesterday afternoon, I should say. Moved him up in the lineup too. And let's just say uh, he's not hitting the ball to the shortest end of the field. Yeah. Like this dude is scorching the baseball. Um, well, what they the finished the with in hits, like in total? Yes. Was it twenty? I know they had nine left on base, which was driving me. Bonkers. Just yesterday? Yeah. Well, for the for the first two games of the series, they left like 18 you No, know, I know. I told you runners in scoring position was kind of that ghost that was tapping them on the shoulder. But they had some guys that, that, that put the bat on the ball yesterday. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't so much. 17 hits yesterday. 17. Uh, so I wasn't so much worried about that, although I don't know what kind of pitching San Diego and the WCC is going to have over. And San Diego's a good team. Let's remember that they're a, a good regional program. team. It's a good program. It's a good program, but did you did you feel like yes? This is weird in the middle of the day, and uh, and the only reason I started to try to find a stream it is because the ESPN app, it's just, it doesn't start on time, and maybe it's just that I always my buddy Brian mm-hmm. used to always say blame the interns like when scores weren't updated right. and stuff, but it was like are you talking ESPN Plus here? 
No, I'm talking like the app. If I wanted to see the score on the phone, oh, just the updated live score. It hasn't. Yeah. It hadn't even started yet. And it's like two twelve, and I'm like, you're still. And it's like that with a lot of. Co- it happens uh-huh. with college yeah. baseball, and I just wonder if they just don't have access. Yeah, to professionally, doing this, they're normally the, on the, it. The, the scores. Yeah, you know, like college time. So, so then I was like, you just do a little investigating. Go to Nebraska baseball's Twitter page. Tell you what. And, and there was one so, post that said, watch, and I'm like, all right. <laughs> so you know the cool thing about that, though, is in those media packets, those media releases, there's always some sort of – they give you all the, the information yeah. on how to watch or listen to the games, right? So it's like – It's user error it's, most of the time. It's like the human cheat code. Plus, with smart TVs now, I don't even have to worry about mirroring anything. Although I still don't know how to get out, and maybe you can't. Can you get out to the open net on Roku? Yeah. I believe so. You may have to show me that. Because we used to have a Roku. Yeah, I think you can. I don't know, man. I don't know. I know Unless you can't for sure on a fire stick. Oh, that's my baby. <laughs> yeah. Then why do you have a Roku? <laughs> You're so, cheating on your fire stick. So two of the TVs have the good stuff. The other have the one downstairs has the Roku. It's not a fire stick. What do you call the Roku thing that you put on your television? Just like a Roku. Like... Just like the HDMI plug-in? Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I, I think that's what the Roku is. So, but I don't think, I don't know if you can get out to the open that. So, I mean, uh, it's Twitter. I haven't had a Roku in forever. T- Twitter will know in about yeah, five seconds. Yeah, but. We'll see a comment come through. If you know, if you are tech savvy, um, or you just know everything and anything about Roku and uh, Amazon Fire Sticks, let us know. 888-638-4876. Yeah, we'll set the show, man. We got to talking about. Baseball. Rule changes in college football, walking in. Yeah. Potential What's, rule changes. I didn't get it. But there were such – it wasn't great quality sports, unless you're a Rock Chalk fan last night. Because uh, West Virginia, from like the first – halfway through the first half on, like boat race Okie State. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, you maybe watch Kansas. But it wasn't a great night for sports. Yeah, Duke got another win. Tell you what. Healthy – they're a problem. Mm-hmm. And now they're starting to get the full complement of their fellas. And believe me, Louisville isn't good, but Duke's playing much better. Hey, Cal State Fullerton got another dub, too. Watch out. Stop. Watch out. Here, hold on. Let me do the <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Isn't that the W? Isn't that what kids do? Stop. Do they do that? <laughs> do they do the W symbol? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> at prom night on Twitter. <laughs> he did text me this. All right, my man Don. He said, "Why are pitchers so afraid of bat of of bats? They fail. I swear, man. I've seen the math. They fail. Throw strikes. Ball four, and stupid is no way to go through life, son." And then he, he retweeted the original tweet, and he said, "He retweeted himself." Yes, because he said it because er- he said it earlier, and he goes, "I'll just leave this here. Probably should just pin it for the season at this point." Hey, 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 hey. Easy over there. <laughs> but, man, it is crazy. I'll Ooh. tell you what, though. You look at San Diego's, like, schedule last year, and yeah. they score a ton of runs. I know. So uh, it doesn't shock me that Nebraska was trying so, to work around. So you think that's just gamesmanship with I, with no. the talking and bantering back and forth? No. No, that's – in this one in particular, it, there was just a lot wrong with the whole pie. <laughs> 
Right. You yeah. put the pie in the oven, and it came out burnt. I was trying to read Coach Bolt's lips about leaning in the pitches, too. Because that, I think, drives drives coaches crazy. But, Ten you know. hit by pitches. Yeah, that's, that's kind of a lot. <laughs> it's, it's a big one. <laughs> kind of a lot. Speaking of big ones, Creighton has a big one tonight. Huge. They'll face off against Marquette. We'll talk to Joel Lorenzi later on in the show. And we'll, we'll also break down a few things within that matchup as well. We have Brandon Vogel at 745. We'll talk to John Fanta at 830. Hale Varsity sparked my interest uh, a few weeks ago. Well, maybe not a few weeks ago. Maybe it was only a couple weeks ago when they started breaking down the roster. So I think we'll do that too. We'll start with quarterbacks here on the show. We'll do that today maybe talk celebrations and sports postseason potency and a lot more stay tuned more coming your way i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Welcome back to the show, 888-638-4876. If you'd like to get involved, it's Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency, alongside Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers, Shane Schillerberg. Is, if you're watching on YouTube, you can kind of see his little window on Damon's uh, camera. So he's back there somewhere. He's pushing the buttons. There he is. Look at him waving back there. Why uh, am I not on camera? I haven't moved. My camera's no, the no, same no. As- no, you're on camera, but I'm saying you can see Shane's little hand back there waving around. You oh. can see himself. What's up, Woodstock? I'm just welcoming Shane into the show as well, along with everything else. And also, he reminded me, I'd be remiss if I didn't say we have Scott Docterman also coming on at 945, which uh, he was taking some heat on Twitter over the weekend in regards to Caitlin Clark showing uh, <laughs> yeah. at you know what's interesting and somebody Bank. somebody tweeted this to me yesterday and I don't I don't get that sense so I had to like go back and look but somebody tweeted to me yesterday I think I said you know we need to grab um Doctorman just because there was a couple of things that I wanted to talk about with their NIL and in recruiting and he kind of referenced Doc to like clickbait and like kind of just chasing uh, responses. And I had to think about that for a second. I'm like, gosh, that doesn't sound like the document I know, right? But everybody's vantage point is different. Mm-hmm. I just got into this fantastic conversation with a good buddy of mine. And and uh, I always, he's kind of like me, and he thinks that I always judge people on how they treat me, not what other people tell me about them. And sometimes that can get you in trouble, I know, right? Because you could kind of lack objectivity. But that's typically my rule of thumb. Like, I let you prove it to me before I... And I learned that in teaching, right? Because some of the worst things I think that happen... And there's, there's and I argue about this all the time, typically in my own household. Whether it's a good, whether it's a good idea to get case files on students when you transition. Because sometimes, yes, you do want to know what you're dealing with, but mm-hmm. I always want like kind of a blank slate. Um, so there's like this fine line. 
any preconceived notions because I want to meet you right where you're at. That's why I wonder. I always wonder what kind of approach coaches take. Do they go back and they do they watch film? You know, the previous staff barely watched any of the former staff. Barely watched any. Rules watch practice, not just games, but practice. And I'd the say players of the former staff. Last year. So it's you know different coaches have different have different opinions. I say, hey, you know, it wasn't my system. It wasn't my offensive sets. Hey, they run. They they ran in five out. I want to run motion. I, it's different, you know. So I, I always. Uh, but he was like, so I was going back to Doc, and I was just looking at the his Twitter account. I think it's because sometimes he'll clap back, right? Where. But I don't know about click. I don't know about just for clicks, though, because it's not, it's not really his personality, right? We've sat in the press, and he's not afraid to say good things about other teams, and maybe it's just because it's me. I don't know. But he's never struck me yeah, as you that know, type of guy. But I wonder what Iowa fans think. I was going to say I think Iowa fans love him. I don't know. More times than to not, be honest. at least in the recent tweets and replies that I've seen, he's been more – Iowa centric, and he has to be right. You know, he's the he, Iowa athletic writer for for that college football program. You know, the greatest misnomer out there right now, though, regionally with these these volatile fan bases. Where did it? Where did we come up with the fact that Iowa is? We think Iowa fans are okay with seven or eight wins every year. Do you watch Iowa fans on social media? They don't appear to be okay with just seven or eight wins. Like, where do you think that came from? Because the administration is okay with it? That doesn't mean the fan base is. Because, man, there's some vitriol and some back and yeah, forth. You know, I'm just like, I'll, I'll tell you what, though. It could be because a lot of years they haven't needed more than seven or eight wins to win the Big Ten West. You know what? What if that's their thought process? That's interesting. Because, like, what if they're thinking – Boy, what if Nebraska would have thought that with Bo? Um, eight's enough. Like you get into the Big Ten championship game? Whatever the hell it is. Huh. Because you're probably not speaking that into existence, but if that's the floor for them, if the floor is that close to the ceiling, which was what, what I think some critics thought Coach P's problem was, Maybe they think that's good enough to put them in contention. And, of course, you want to win 10 games. Yeah, you're not speaking that into existence like, hey, let's just win eight. But history shows that you get to that eight with the the chance to win nine. That puts you in contention. That's good. I mean, that's funny you say that because then I start putting some of the replies that I was hearing in their pressers all year. You know, when he was asked the question about sitting sitting quarterbacks, and he's like, "Well, what would what good would come out of like?" So maybe they're already comparing. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know, but I wonder at what point would a school have to have that baseline baseline for success, where you're like, Wisconsin was probably in that mold. Hey, if we just do this, that's going to put us in contention. Let, let's just not lose games more than we try to go out and win. Right. I I don't know if it's, we it's could It's what coaches talk about. It's bro, but not I don't know what if you we talk could, about with your team. Yeah, cuz I don't know if we could embrace that. We'd have to see it play out over time because even when we did, we didn't really like it. 
We, we saw what consistency looked like, but we didn't like – then we got to the point where we didn't like penciling in losses. And even the great ones. It, shoot, even T.O. had that problem. Ah, going to lose to Oklahoma again, huh? You're one tough non-con. You may struggle in that one too, right? And people didn't like 10 and 2. Right, Pete? People grew not to like 10 and 2. So it's like, I wonder yeah, how much. the norm? Because if I wonder how much winning would have to occur for us to not, for us to cross over into wanting to play it safe. Say Ryan Day's team next year goes 6-6. Six and six. That fan base would burn that city they, down. They were losing their mind last year. Right. <laughs> but they lose their mind and they still competed six, in the playoffs. 6-6 six and six may be too extreme. Right, but, okay, but if so he, say, if it, let's say he loses three games. Yeah, you lose three games. Maybe even four games. Three games, they it, it would it would be a problem. You're burning that place down. So that's why they're I just thinking wonder, they have like, to start over. Like, what's the consistency of the baseline? When you get used to something, it's easy to start picking on the little things, right? Ooh, this I, I don't like this little thing. It hardly has any effect. Well, you think on our Nebraska, season outcome? You think Nebraska could win more than eight games enough where you wouldn't want to go back to anything less than eight? more than you'd want to try to get to 10. It's hard to say now. It's really hard to say right now. Yeah, my buddy, K- so I, we got, I got a guy, Kekus, on Twitter. His for, since 2013, so for 10 years, has said, I've always said, <laughs> it's easier to go from 4 to 8 than from 8 to 10. Right. <laughs> so if you operate under that premise, how much consistency would Coach Rule have to have winning eight games before you're like, okay, all right, we're going to get our eight. We'll see where that gets us versus, man, we got to get over the hump. If in year one he gets more wins than Scott Frost ever got at Nebraska, people are going to be okay. So with that's, he's just got to win five. He's just got to win five games. People would be okay with a five and seven team next year. Because it starts. You think? Yeah, I do. Because at the end of the day, what are you going to say? Well, it's Rule's first year, and he got more wins than Scott Frost I, ever I, did. I know what they, he would, I know what he would say be okay if I asked that. him. So, well, that's what I'm getting to. I know but the he fans would, would be okay with I that. know he wouldn't be okay with saying five were cool, but I guarantee you he would say, well, what does it look like? Yeah, what, what were our wins? Like what How the, bad were those would, losses? He would, he would be like, well, you know, DB, well, what does it look Break like? Break it down. Break it you down. Know, Game so, at a time. But I think. Plus, we, you're dealing with a new roster. You're trying to figure out who's going to be the quarterback, which we will get to later on in the show. You know what? This may not be a, this may not be a popular opinion. I'm just, I'm just looking at. I'm just looking at the roster. We're making some really basic assumptions that I would say, at least right now, not so fast. The wide receiving core is, I mean, we'll see how linear it is for Kemp Jr., where Washington is, and who can emerge. But in this offense, playing pitch and catch, I'm not I'm not taking that for granted. And then the other thing is 
see what happens along the D line in the second level that plays behind it. I mean, we're fast forward into looking at the schedule. Spring, I think, is going to tell me a lot in terms of what I think we see in terms of movement and explosiveness. And practice starts on March 20th. So, Which, by the way, we need to get to tease that. He made a change already that I like. Hey, Brandon Vogel up next, though. Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. We've got Brandon Vogel in the wing, but before we get to him, I want to tell you about our poll question today, which you can vote at H Varsity Radio. That is, if the Big Ten moves away from divisions and allows for three annual opponents each year, beside Iowa, who would be the second team? on that list for you to see the Huskers play every year. Is it Wisconsin? Is it Minnesota? Is it a Big Ten East juggernaut? Or is it a conference newbie? You can go over to the Twitter page and vote there, which I think is interesting. It's a, it's a the future potential scheduling format. Uh, I don't think it would cause divide, but I, I will just say it's interesting yeah. because it's, it's different than the conferences that, that we're used to. But at this time, let's bring in Brandon Vogel now because if I don't bring him in now, I'll probably forget about him like I did last week. Uh, so he's here. B. Vogues, what's up? Hey, how's it going? What's up, B? Hey, you know, th- this is something that I've been thinking about at least just kind of all week. And I- I'm going to start with basketball here, if you don't mind, because, you know, even when this team was healthy, you could only see glimpses of postseason light at the end of the tunnel. I- there were some big wins, but also some tough losses. Uh, peek into the crystal ball, right? Wish upon a star. Now the team, full of misfits, may still have a chance at postseason. What changed for you? What stuck out to you about this group that's gotten them this far? Um, well, Kese Tobinaga becoming a 20-point-per-game scorer certainly helped. Um, I don't think kind of the boost that this team has gotten from Sam Hoiberg uh, was anything that I could have seen coming. Uh, good player, liked him out of high school. But he's he's been excellent. I think maybe the broader point for me is, you know, at that point in January where Nebraska had, had its injuries and we were looking at this, we're talking about Fred Hoiberg's future. <clears throat> I, I felt then that this program had, had progressed from where it had been in previous seasons under Hoiberg. And now you're kind of seeing – it's, it's kind of being proven to a, to a greater extent by just picking up some of these wins. And I think the lesson there is that the change they made going into this year is that defense is, is largely a mindset and a work ethic. And yeah, you lost two really, really good defenders. But if you've instilled that to a degree, um, you can have some players pick up, pick it up. And if you, you get some good performances out of a guy like Tobinaga, um, Sam Greasel, Derek Walker continue to be important. Um, you can you can still make some progress. So it's it's been impressive. Right. What we were just talking kind of um you know about uh consistency and, and the expectation levels and how long you'd have to do something before we're okay with it. And let's stay with basketball to make the point though. So now we're kind of talking about hey, Coach Oyberg could win 
Uh, he could win two of these next three. Some people think three or three. Hey, why not go to Iowa City and win the last one? And that would put him at 17 and 14, and you're thinking, man, that is fantastic. Three, four, a month ago, we wondered if he was going to keep his job. Let's say they only win two out of three. We still are happy. We're happy right now. Why do you think it varies in degrees of sports on how fluid we want to be or we're capable of being with our expectations? Um, a really good question. Uh, I think with Nebraska basketball, we're all well aware of the history. We're well aware of the no tournament victory in, in program history. And I know it doesn't diminish people's passion for, for Nebraska basketball at all but it does kind of change the scale i think and you know i was listening to some of your guys conversation about iowa football earlier and and, you know that's an interesting one too um like human behavior is to always aspire to to something more i think the luxury from a program perspective i.e an ad down your leadership effectively is if you can be patient it, it's kind of the, the, the most scarce resource in college athletics. Um, and it's tough. You're going to have to go from 10 wins and 10 wins under Hoiberg to 11 to 14 or whatever they end up with this year. And it's hard. If you can do it, you effectively avoid hitting that random button, which we all like to talk about coaching hires. I love it as much as anyone. And to think hypothetically about who Nebraska could get, what it could mean, But in reality, it it often just becomes kind of a roll of the dice, and you hope that works. And at a certain point, you know, coaching 10 years get to a point where a roll of the dice is better than what you're getting. I don't know that that Hoiberg's at that point right now. Transition over to football here, Brandon. And we're talking to Brandon Vogel, managing editor for Hale Varsity, at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Keep it with that expectation um, and the expectations you have for the offense and defense going into the spring ball. Is there anything the average fan should be looking for um, to kind of hold them over until the fall? Uh, I mean, spring's going to be plenty interesting from a position battle, sort of roster sorting standpoint. That'll be that'll be a big piece of that. Um, you know, we'll with the way Nebraska's spring football schedule works out, we'll have a preview of spring football in, in the March issue of, of Hale Varsity coming up. Um I think a big thing for me, you know, Nebraska says it wants to run the ball. If it can run the ball, that's its kind of quickest path, I think, to finding some immediate success. You still got to be able to throw it. And I think the mesh of you know, a handful of different quarterbacks, potentially uh, a untested, I guess, or unproven. I don't know which is the better word there. Receiver group is, is a key piece of this. Like if, if I'm, you know, watching spring football and we feel like we've got a good look at, you know, some of what they're actually going to do, that passing game is going to be a big piece of it. And then defensively um, feel, feel decent about the secondary. I think it's, it's kind of the front seven. There's some sorting to do there, um, particularly on the defensive line and, and also on the outside at, at linebacker. So those are those are kind of the key pieces for me as I look towards spring football next month. So, B. Vogues, when I'm, I'm kind of looking at um, something or nothing, when we listen to Coach Rule and this staff talk, especially now that Casey appears to have be pretty official, right? <laughs> and he's ahead of schedule in terms of his health. 
uh, which I think that's out there, isn't it? If not, I apologize. Um, whoops. No, I think we're fine. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, B, so is it something or nothing? Is it familiarity? Is it the Collins-Rule relationship, former Georgia Tech coach, that has him knowing more about Sims that – at least if you're looking for quarterback juicy sound bites heading into spring, that Sims appears to have the positive nod over Casey Thompson, who won't see spring at all. Is that yeah? Is that's a thing, right? I I, I think it is the thing. Um, when I look at it for me personally, if Casey Thompson was full go, uh, expected to be there for the spring. Um, he would be the favorite in that race for me. And when I look at, you know, statistically, when I look at Thompson at Texas and then at Nebraska and Sims at Georgia Tech, they're they're pretty close. Like, it's it's a tough race to call that way. Um, but I do think there's, you know, and there's something to be said from Matt Rule having access to Jeff Collins and his day-to-day impressions of the type of person and player that Jeff Sims was and is. But I think it's been mostly... Well, if Casey's going to be out, you know, at a formative stage in this new program uh, that is emerging at Nebraska, well, that's 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 a bit of a handicap. So I think it mostly stems from that. I, speaking personally, I think that's what's probably changed the mindset for me the most. Now, hearing um, sources have confirmed to me, Damon, also what you mentioned, I think Casey might be a little bit ahead of, ahead of schedule, uh, which makes that interesting and knocks that back down a little bit for me. Hey, you talked about untested and unproven when you talked wide receiving group in, in my uh, previous question. Uh, but are you more confident then in the, in the tight end room because it seems as if they are also untested and unproven, but does their talent, their overall talent level, outweigh that unprovenness? Yeah, um, I, I would include the tight ends with that kind of unproven categorization. I do think, um, you know, based on some of the players that they have, the ceiling appears a little higher. But, you know, <clears throat> when I look at kind of the pass catchers as a whole, I think we're we're largely looking at a group that it, it's tough to, to point to somebody and say, well, there there's your guy. Um, and if you think about Nebraska at the receiver position in the recent past, you've kind of had that. You know, you get into those oh crap downs or oh crap situations. You you had a Stanley Morgan Jr., J.D. Spielman, um, Wandale Robinson, and Trey Palmer emerged as that guy this past year. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, I I, I want to take a moment and acknowledge like that went about as well as it could have gone. Man, it's easy to it's easy to miss those things. But you had at this point last year, all we knew about Trey was he was good enough to have an offer from LSU was behind a ton of really talented guys, had shown some flashes, but we didn't know he was going to be the guy in Big Ten play in Big Ten games in November that if Nebraska needed something, it was just find him. And, you know, it's it's easy to notice when those things don't work out. Uh, I feel like when they do work out, it, they kind of get a little bit overlooked. So shout out to Trey Palmer for reaching, I think, the optimal, the way we all hope any transfer can go for any player. B, no pressure in our last 60 seconds here, but you're one of the few with the mental faculties to maybe recall this. When's the last time Nebraska had spring football without it being broken up by spring break? 
Really good question. Because um, I think Polini almost always yeah, had it divided. Um, I tried so to walk have... myself through it with Drew down last segment, and we're going back some years. Yeah. Right? And, and I mean, it, I think so. Um, I, I can't remember one specifically. I'm guessing there was probably one in there that I'm forgetting, either under Riley or, or well, maybe I don't know. once. Yeah. I mean, you might be you might be all the way back to to Callahan, and I mean, you know, it's a spring football schedule, but it certainly kind of caught my eye. Hey, like, caught oh, mine too, and we're we're gonna get into why I think you yeah. did that. Appreciate it, B. Thanks, Vogel. All right, guys, have a good one. Hey, coming up next, stick around. We'll talk just that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coffee and cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Top of the hour here on Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers, and DB, you know, I was talking to a buddy yesterday, and um, we were going through some some scheduling things for, for his podcast and, and guests, and I'm like, man. Were you hooking that up for me? I was, I was. I was Thank I was, you. I was uh, keeping it balanced, um, but... You know, I was asking him, I'm like, I should know the answer to this question, but when does spring practice start? Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, man, I don't know either. So I ended up looking it up. Well, they just made the announcement. And they just made the announcement. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, great, convenient, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I saw that it said March 20th. And I'm like, oh, okay, so it'll, it, it would be timely. So for the backstory here, DB is going to uh, guest appear on one of the Herd at Sports podcasts, which is the sweatshirt I am repping. Not No Block, No Rock, but Herd at Sports. But the podcast No Block, No Rock is who he will hop on probably in late March. And I'm like, oh, that'll it's, be it's good. It's funny, too, because somebody was – was that you? Who was telling me? Like, oh, man, one of those guys cusses up a storm. Like, you know, be prepared or something like that. And oh, I, I said, and I I said I was, they have no filter. And I was like – that's fine. I'm an adult. I may sound kind of silly, but yeah, you're gonna if, sound, they, if they get you're going to fr- sound like a preschooler in a room with uh, like parent teacher conferences. <laughs> so it's so it's hosted by Mike Sauter then. Uh, oh no! Uh, you know what? I should have. I hey. sh- Mike Sauter is ten times the men or the man that these men are. <laughs> these guys. So Sauter was mad again last night. When Sauter not mad? In just a subtle. Jacob Padilla, who constantly takes the high road, right? Not combative, nothing, right? He's just giving top performers mm-hmm. a litany oh, of sta- a litany of statistics, right? Great stats, by okay? the way. Great stats. Somebody simply says, "Hey, you missed so and so." Christian win. Jacob replies, hey. "No stats. No stats from North the Northeast game." Mm-hmm. Okay. It's done. Like, hey, I didn't, I didn't have access. To Out of it. nowhere, and here comes Sauter pulling up in his Ford Fusion. Oh, just <laughs> passive aggressive as all get out. Mad. <laughs> I'm like, oh. could you not? Could you exactly? Could you not have done the whole kerosene 
gas, lighter, like just keep it moving, Mike. Like, and nobody really clapped back, but I'm just like, those are the kinds of things. That's why he revs so high. It's, it's he gives himself an aneurysm. It's like, <laughs> dude, nobody's like. Two makes that's what makes my so 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 Jacob is. simply tweeted the no stats right and Sauter right. goes yeah Jacob how many performers like top twelve top dude he went through like fifteen, 15 guys okay. right and Jacob simply replied hey you know no stats from the Fremont mm-hmm. Lincoln Northeast game self explanatory right couldn't get his stats and I wasn't there my man Sauter yeah Jacob. <laughs> Why did your very free, free to read without a subscription tweet miss someone? Super passive aggressive, right? Or why don't you follow along with every single game played while it was tweeted live? Passive aggressive too. As it was happening on Twitter and keep track of who scored how many points for that game that you weren't at. Passive aggressive three. (laughs) Because you just can't upload the state's report, stats reporting system. I need answers. (laughs) That's that's the Mike Sauter we all know and love. What are you doing? And and why are you so mad? You're not drawing Jacob into that. Jacob's just going to whistle on by. Mm-hmm. He's probably taking a nap. He's like, okay, Mike, we get it. Somebody probably got at you for not following their kid, and you're mad. No, that's never happened. <laughs> Nobody's ever said something well, like man that. said free to read without a subscription. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, let's go back to spring. Good, 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 good on no block, no rock, man, and and the spring, the spring. But I, I was schedule. saying, I'm like, oh, this could be perfect because you know, and at the right at the forefront of spring, bring DB on. I'm sure he'll have uh, some lots, thoughts. lots loaded up for that. Yeah, and spring begins on March 20th, which. Was bizarre to you a little bit. I, I don't want to say it was completely it, outlandish. So when I first read it, it seemed late. Right. And so you, that's the first thing I thought of. So then you kind of went into fact check mode and, and saw that, hey, spring break is from the 12th to the 19th. Yeah. And so they're starting after spring break. And that is uncommon for really any program. Not, not just. So there's, three, there's three things that immediately. That immediately crept in my head. Number one is what practices is Knucklehead going to because he's trying to build out his March calendar, right? So that's the first thing I thought of. I want to know the practice dates because this this guy is going to be the type of kid where if everybody's going on March 25th, he doesn't want to go because he wants to see things in its more normal state, not hyped up on a big recruiting weekend. I'm like, look, man, with this staff, I'm just telling you, kind of what you see is what you're going to get. Okay, 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 let me let me think about it. So then we pitted against all the other practice schedules, right, uh, of, of schools that want him to come out. And almost everybody starts the first week in March, the first weekend. And so those are those two things, right? I'm like, okay, this March is going to be a headache for your boy. 
Um, just glad. Hopefully they're playing in state, right? So get that out of the way. We're going to rest three days. Then we're going to get after it. Right? Everybody. Like, like that's, that's, mm-hmm. the, that's, the, that's the plan. And and I got and it got me thinking. I'm like, gosh, this is late. When's the last time Nebraska had a spring without a break of spring break? Because for years I would go back and forth, either in media or on the radio, about how that would drive me crazy as a player. Because and partly in full disclosure, I didn't know any better. We went for 25 practices, not whatever it is now, 15, 20 or 25, and we just we just went through spring. The break was when spring break was at the end. So you saw the light at the end of the tunnel. You, you, you did your 20 practices, and then you thought, all right, man, at the very end of this, I'm going to get spring break. Cool. All right, we'll play this spring game. It, it seemed like Easter fell right after that. Right. It just seemed like that's how it works, and so maybe I was misremembering, but it just it got me to thinking this so fits his personality. My he wasn't gonna rush and do anything. The 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 TV time slot available for the spring game didn't matter. Whatever else sports were going on on campus didn't matter. He wanted an uninterrupted chunk of springtime to get his work in. They're gonna work their ass off in winter conditioning up until then. You're going to take some active rest during spring break so you don't get your butt out of shape. It takes three or four weeks to get in shape. It takes three or four days to get out of. And then we're going to run through the gauntlet of spring ball. You weren't getting a week's break in between there. That's, my, that's, what, that's what I glean is right in this staff's wheelhouse for starting spring because it is late. That spring game isn't until April 22nd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, back in April. And, you know, I think there's something to be said – for this too, because you know, I, I feel like I bring up this example a lot. I feel like a penguin. Rule recognizes everything, yeah. right? It's not just you know X's and O's for Matt Rule. He recognizes how you know it, it, the mental state of his coaches and players. He has exceptional situational awareness. awareness. He's got great situational awareness. Correct. But I think another reason why he pulled something like this is to also give his players that opportunity to actually go back home if needed. You know, for me, a lot Uh, of times, anytime I get family time, I take advantage of it. And and Matt Rule, big family guy, as we all know. But anytime I get family time or I just need that getaway, I take it. I don't need to go to to Palm Springs. I don't need to go to Fort Myers for spring break. I, I don't need any of that. What I need isn't that a retirement community? No, I kidding. don't know. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> I need family. All said and done. And so, when you're away, when you're in school, when you're a player, and you're going through some of the toughest conditioning out there, you're battling your academics, you're trying to find that that football school life balance, sometimes you just need a break. Mm. And if you start spring that early and give that break, yeah, that could work too. But at the same time, 
people are creatures of habit. They like routines. They like structure. They like a so-called agenda. So if you can go from strength and conditioning to break to practice opposed to strength and conditioning to practice to break to practice, I feel like it's going to be an easier flow to adjust to as well. So I think it's more Matt Rule just kind of being three steps ahead of his players and where they're, they're their minds will be halfway through a so-called semester, right? And, and all in all, I, at the end of the day, what matters most? Is it the mental health of your player or is it that you got five practices in before spring break? Mm. Well, and Matt Rule's going to care more about his player than he is going to care about, hey, I have to hit the ground running, as you said. i got to rush to this. i got to show the people that I'm here and that we're going to be this, this fight-first football team. That's not going to matter whether you start five practices early or two weeks later. And they're going to do – so I think – and I'm speculating here, so I want, I want listeners to understand that. I think for him and this staff, um, the situational awareness is this. It's – this is what we've been building up to during a culture's during our, our the setting of our culture piece. We're going to do things this way X Y and Z. We're not going to deviate. We're going to re- we're going to evaluate the results. Then we're going to move on to the next phase. I think that blueprint is exactly how he would prefer to approach spring ball. I don't really want the week break, especially how the schedule is laid out. Yeah, we're, we'll roll the dice and we'll start a little late. Um, but I don't. I I I want to get a good chunk of work in. We're going to evaluate the results. We're going to have the the scrimmage, and then we're going to ramp up for what the next piece of what the next data point is that we've got to get to. I don't really want the break in the ebb and flow because it just doesn't seem like it fits how he likes to mm-hmm. do business. He seems like the guy that would say to you, "If we're working, we're working." If it, if it's time, if it's downtime, it's downtime. I don't, you know, maybe him personally hasn't really learned to manage downtime, but I think he does understand the importance for his players. I just don't, he just doesn't strike me as the type of guy that's thinking about something and he's like, okay, let's do something for a week. Let's take a break and come back to it. Like that, on its surface, at the, the most cavemanish of, of ugh, thought process, that seems like that's how. And sometimes thinks. you just need a day. Sometimes you just need a week, and and, and it's recognized. Yeah, Eric on and, YouTube. And don't put it in. He doesn't want it in the middle of what they're doing, though. Right. Exactly. Right. Put it at the beginning. Give them their break, and then say, "Hey, now let's it's let's go time. get it. Let's go get Eric it." Eric on Twitter says this too. Is it also that rule is going to so-called notice? who sticks around and works during spring break. Maybe, maybe a little bit if somebody is on campus. But I, I, I almost think it's, it's, it's more on the side of, hey, you know, I feel like I have a good gauge after, after winter workouts who wants to be here. That's and I don't true. think the week of spring, the week leading up to spring ball is really going to tell if you say, guys, go home, have a meal. Uh, take I hear you, but listen. I need somebody else. I just talked to Abdul yesterday, Muhammad, for like 30 minutes. He'd know. But I hear you, and the older me says, yeah, you know what? You're right. But when I was playing, we were afraid to take time off. Mm -hmm. Right? Because 
I like, get that too. So so that's the reality. I get that too. Th- that's the reality of right. it. Like the reality of it is, wait, we haven't done anything for two days. Man, I feel out of shape. Or like, but maybe that's also something that he's playing in his mind of, hey, if you if I do give you this time off. If you come back a week later and you are out of shape, now I know you're not really here to take it seriously. What's the who's his who's one of his favorite players that he likes that you brought up three times in the last month? Oh jeez. It's it's easy when I say the name. Easy. Gabe Irvin. Gabe Irvin. I I got there. <laughs> I got there because you're like why would you ask me that question? What what did I bring up a couple weeks ago that as a reference point that Gabe Urban was doing last year during spring break. He was um, in, in community, right? T- tweeting out workout videos of him rehabbing his knee. And I mean, dude was getting it in. And I'm like, I just remember this real time. I don't even know if I said anything out loud. Maybe I did. Maybe I did. And I'm like, that's a guy that wants to play. Like, I, I didn't know anything about how he was going to come back or how he was going to work, but because it was like the Sunday or Monday of he hadn't he'd only been he'd only been home a day or two and he was back in the workout facility doing these strength these plyo exercises for his knees and I'm like that's a guy that's afraid to get behind because he knows rehab is a lonely place if other people aren't working or maybe taking a couple of days off or going to see the fam maybe just what other people would consider healthy mental a brain break he's like no it's my time to play catch up and i think the more people that are like that as long as you can manage rest right and remember what coach rule said don't sleep on this he was talking about the working out and the strength and facility he says hey you know we got to figure out how we need to recover too right part of how to get better is what haven't we done well in the past we need to have our guys available and able to play in games. Recovery matters. So I'm thinking, okay, they're disciplined enough, I think. They're disciplined enough to know when people need a break and when they don't. Why does that make me gush? Because I only, I can relate to what I know. And everybody that knows what I'm about to say that played during this stretch there were days in spring ball and in fall camp and for sure in bowl games where you question whether your legs would come back to you. Oh, man, I feel like dog poop. This ain't going to work. We've been in full – like, and mm-hmm. all that staff would say is you have to trust us. We'll get you ready to play. So as long as the staff is disciplined enough to know when rest is needed, then work your ass off. Because ultimately, especially in 2023, I swear to goodness, I'd love to go back and be in high school. Because I think one of the few things that you have to do to be successful in high school now versus then is just hang in there longer than the next person. Because people quit. So I just want to be able to, I don't even have to, shoot, I don't have to be as gifted as, you know, Amon, right? I just want to have to be able to hang in there longer than you. Because if availability is the best form of ability, man, I'm in. 
So if he can get the guys to think like that, I'm telling you, man, like that's where the magic happens. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. I mean, it, it, that's where the magic and, happens. And you know, I've I've said this once before too. I mean, there were times where I didn't take the weight room. Oh, um, who you tell? I, I didn't take the. Uh, oh, what what's the word? Workouts, the regiment, the day to day, the protocol. No, I, I just seriously. Yeah, I couldn't get there. I didn't take the weight room seriously, and because of that. You know, I, I was only hurting myself, mm-hmm. but there was nobody Isn't else. Isn't it funny how you don't really realize but that? But there was nobody else that wanted it more than me either. Mm-hmm. So I didn't see somebody and say, I want to be better than you. Like, if I saw that everyone was doing the same thing, well, then I'm only going to do that or maybe just a little bit more. But I didn't have to do much entirely because nobody did much in yeah. the weight room. So- and so, like, that, I, I, I see that point. I, I see right to that point. I you, really you know do. what's you know what's interesting too, and it's like anything else. And my poor kids probably will make this a slogan on a T-shirt. I said from day one, it doesn't matter if it was school or sports or whatever. I said you're not competing against everybody else that you come in contact with. You're competing against you. You when you become your own benchmark. That's when will growth will start to happen because you won't look and say because the natural inclination is, oh man, shoot, I, I'm playing as, playing baseball as a freshman. Yeah, I know I had to move from shortstop, but I'm going out to center field. Okay, life is good. Yeah, I played right field as a freshman. Right, right. Life is Didn't good. Didn't want to play right field. Oh man, ooh, starting against Texas Tech as a redshirt freshman against Bam Morris. Ooh, life is good. No coincidence that both those situations that come to my mind, the follow-up was poor because I wasn't competing against myself. It was some mythical barometer of what was going on around me. If I just would have simply said, hey, man, I'm capable of being better. Hey, man, I you know, need a good week heading into UCLA. You don't think that that sometimes keeps me up at night? Yeah, it does because I went to bed on national television. Right. Like, believe me, all the things that you hear and see in like my personality all comes from things that I've gone through. So when you're parenting or you're coaching, that's my that's my singular focus. Be better. Don't go through what we went through. I'm going to give you all the cheat codes to do what you need to do. Just trust me. Right. And so if rule can build the kind of culture. That's why I said, did you catch what I said in the very beginning when I said active rest? Mm-hmm. <laughs> whether it's going for a walk, right. whether it's maybe jump rope, like whatever it is that may not be pushing weight or maybe it's just your own body weight where you didn't need that. Like what's that spring break week going to be? How many guys will go home? Are they watching? Sometimes you need a brain break. And that's what I was getting at right away. Right. But I also, I vibe with what you said is it, are you going home and getting a brain break, but also are you going to your, Go get on a you're bike. Going to your high school gym? Some, yeah, something you, that's not forced against the ground. Or More times than not, if you are a college football player, you have some type of active gym back home that you train in the summer if you're not on campus. You think are you, you get, doing that? You think you get to a point where four or five days off seems like too many? Because if you sit around... That seems like too many. Three days is probably like a good uh, max, a good cap. But at the same time, maybe it's, hey, I, I, I'm traveling home on Monday, right? 
you know, I'm, I'm at home Tuesday, Wednesday, and I come back on Thursday, or I'm at home Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, come back on Friday, now we get, now we get back into it. We're back into the grind. I'm, I'm getting my body, you know, ready to go for spring, two days left before uh, things begin. Yeah, secretly, man, I looked at that schedule. I told you the, you know, the three things that were on my brain, but I quietly cheered. And I'm like, eh, it seems kind of selfish. Number one, I get to set the calendar, but number two, it's everything that I would want. I don't want the, br- I don't want them to have the break in the spring during spring ball. But is it just because it's what I, what I like? Or is it the right thing? Is it best practices? You, I hope it's best practices. You may not know the answer to this question, but is this a Matt Rule thing? Did he do this at Temple? Did he do this at Baylor? Well, I think, I wonder, like, maybe I'm giving him too much, like, maybe I'm giving him too much credit and it's just how the schedule broke. Right? Like, <laughs> but I hope it's in, <laughs> I should just ask. <laughs> I <laughs> Going right here. This is a good time to go to break. Maybe in about four minutes. We'll you know, find may, out. maybe just you know, maybe the schedule just broke that way. But I just knowing him, sometimes that's just how the cookie falls. It, right? it just seems like it's intentional. Which one are you grabbing? Which one do you gravitate to? Let us know in the comments. DM us. He's at Damon Benning on Twitter. I'm at Andrew Rogers TV. Coming up next, though, we're talking to John Fanta. And this is one of the brightest minds in all of college basketball, especially in the Big East. We're talking Creighton Marquette. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Next. Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. The crowds the last two or three games have been off the charts. I expect tomorrow night to be very similar. I mean, it's... Uh, one of the biggest games we played here in a while. 124 to go. Nemar to the bucket. Up and in. Shireman. Elevator play. Ooh. That feels like a huge bucket. Baluma driving and finishing. John Fanta currently on his way to Omaha for tonight's men's basketball game between the Marquette Golden Eagles and the Creighton Blue Jays, so we are trying to uh, get in touch with him. But, you know, as travel days go, who really knows when when someone's available via flight and when it lands and when you're going, if that's you're at the airport, are you through security, whatever it is. That's all I could think about last night with Nebraska baseball on the time limit. I was like, wow, if we're going commercial, man, you guys don't have much margin for error. And what time was that flight? Well, if, leaving. You, if you quit at five, five – yeah. Would you say it's okay to say that the flight eight? was at I, – I was thinking even earlier. No way. You think eight's a, a good time to get – So let's say you couldn't start – you couldn't throw a pitch or start an inning after five. You're not getting out of there before six. 35 minutes to the airport. Yeah. 40 minutes for check-in. Yeah, you're probably right. Eight o'clock. Yeah. It's probably a safe one. Um who knows? I don't think it takes John Fanta that long to get through security nah, as it does. My man's probably flying Nebraska first class. <laughs> Who sent him a plane? I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out. John, good morning. How are you? 
What's going on, John? Doing great, guys. How are you? Oh. Great. Do you fly first class? <laughs> no, I was I was in the back cabin today. I was uh, on Delta. My rewards is with United, so sometimes I'll get the upgrade to first class with United. Uh, but with uh, getting out to Omaha, Delta was the best route. Hey, it's interesting, and we try not to be victims of hyperbole because there have been some big ones at CHI. But safe to say this one is the biggest of the season to date for the Jays in 2023? 100%. There's no question about that. And with the last couple of years, the way that they've gone, and, and COVID, obviously, I think this one just means more here tonight because you're going to have an absolute zoo inside that building. And Creighton and Marquette have played some epic battles through the years in the Big East. It's actually been one of the more underrated rivalries, if you will, because time and again, they've just played wild games. I mean, remember the year that, that a shot should not have counted for Marquette in Omaha? I'm sure Creighton fans remember that. And, and, and it ended up going to what? Overtime, double overtime. And Marquette found a way to win that game. There's been times where Creighton has gone into Marquette and has won some crazy games. Last year, there was a game in Milwaukee that went all the way to double overtime. So, you know, these two teams have played some epic battles. And I think that tonight is definitely the biggest game of the year for Creighton. It's the biggest game of the year for Marquette. And I expect it to be played at such a high, high level because you think about the Golden Eagles and what they do offensively. And you think about this Creighton team who's played as well as anybody over the last month. So it's, it's going to be absolutely sensational in there tonight. And that atmosphere is one of the best in college basketball. Yeah, John, you know, what are you looking forward to uh, most traveling here to cover this matchup? And, you know, how can Creighton rewrite the story from uh, back in December? Well, I'm looking forward to seeing the atmosphere live and, and being in that building because it's been too long since I've been inside CHI Health Center Omaha. I've not been in person for a game in three years, so mm. I'm really looking forward to being inside the building tonight. Um, in terms of, you know, how can Creighton handle this game and, and what do they need to do? Here's the thing. Feed Calk. Mm. you have got to give Ryan Cogburner the ball early and often. This Marquette team, guys, they want to play fast. They want to play a style that allows for more possessions and allows them to score because they've been one of the better offensive teams in college basketball. So I think it's really important tonight for Creighton to be able to say, okay, well, how do we hold Marquette at bay offensively and how do we expose the matchups that they're going to have problems with? And at the end of the day, Kalkbrenner did not play in the first meeting between these two teams. But last year, guys, he combined for over 50 points uh, in the meetings with Marquette and shot 21 for 27 from the floor. He was dominant. So, I mean, 21 for 27 from the floor against one team combined last year. It was ridiculous. So... Creighton has got to feed him, um, and they've got to find a way to guard Tyler Kolick. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, 
what makes this Marquette team so special, what makes them a potential Sweet 16 Elite 18, is that they have had elite point guard play. This is a night where Ryan Nemhard and Trey Alexander have to be connected on the defensive end of the floor, and they've got a guard here tonight and make life difficult for Kolick. Because if you let Kolick get to the places that he wants to get to, Marquette can flourish because they've got the pieces around him to hit shots and to score the ball. John, let me ask you this because something has to give, right? We know what Marquette does inside the arc. Uh, among the nation's tops in two-point field goal percentage near the top. The offensive efficiency is off the charts per 100 possessions. Creighton, the best defensive team in the Big East. Who makes the easier adjustment? Is offense more portable, or do you like Creighton's defensive prowess at home at CHI? Yeah, I think that when you look at, at the Big East guys, these top four teams have not lost a home game in conference play. That's absurd. I mean, the home court advantage does mean something. It means a ton. And I think it is easier for Creighton to adjust defensively against Marquette because at the end of the day, Marquette's going to have to shoot with a background of students going wild tonight. And there's no analytics or metrics that support (laughs) it other than the fact that look at the records. I mean, look at the records. The, the home team has won in this league. And so it's going to be hard for Marquette tonight because I think they're going to go through periods of the game where maybe shots aren't falling. So how do they tough it out like they did last week against Xavier in Milwaukee? Now they did it on their home court. I do think it'll be interesting, and I, and I don't know how you both feel about this, but here's the one thing that I think is interesting with Creighton. Creighton has been able to win a lot of these games that are grinded out, defensive wars that come down to three or four possessions, and they just gut it out. Mm -hmm. At Providence, different story. But what does happen? What happens if Marquette is knocking down threes like crazy? And this is a game that gets decided in the 80s. Is Creighton able to hit perimeter shots on the other side? That's the one dimension to Creighton. And it's ironic because whenever we've talked Creighton basketball (laughs) over the years, it's Creighton. But that's the one interesting dimension to Creighton is I'm waiting, and this is just for their their overall good march. You're waiting for a team to come out like Xavier did at the Sintosh Center when those two teams first met. And Creighton actually punched back. They were hitting shots too. But what happens if a team is hitting perimeter shots? Does Creighton have the wherewithal to actually answer with make perimeter shots of their own? I don't think that's what it will take tonight because I think they could just guard Marquette better than Marquette can guard them. But if it ever did come to that, I still have faith in, in Creighton, but I do think in that instance, guys, that's why you brought Baylor Shireman to Omaha. He would have to step up in that moment. He can't be missing his open threes. John, got about a minute and a half here, but as you look across the Big East, it's not very often you see four teams competing for that top spot and being so close. You have Marquette at 13-3 and three, and then a bunch of 12-4 and four teams below. Uh, in regards to looking at the tiebreakers and, and, and moving forward toward Big East uh, Conference Championship play, what are you kind of seeing here? How do those kind of lay out? Where is your head at with all of that? Well, this race is over tonight if Marquette wins this game. I mean, they're, they'll lock up the regular season yeah. title with a win here this evening, but I don't think that's going to happen here. I think Creighton wins. Now, where's my head at my head? Well, 
it, the remainder of this race, it could come down to a tie. And to let all your listeners know that if we do have a tie, because all these teams have won their home games, all their head-to-heads, for the most part, like Creighton and Marquette, their head-to-heads results are the same, meaning there's two methods that this comes down to. A coin toss, which is not going to come down to that. <laughs> It'll come down to the second-to-last method, which is the net ranking. And I haven't checked the net this morning, but the last couple of days it's been Creighton with a net of 13 and Marquette with a net of 14. So if it comes down to both those teams at 16 and 4, we will wait until Sunday morning, Sunday, March the 5th, <laughs> the day after the regular season finale day, for the net rankings to come out that Sunday morning. You grab a coffee, and you'll find out if you're the one or the two seed. That's awesome. John, we appreciate your time as always, and uh, have fun tonight. Looking forward to seeing you, John. Be safe. You know, you know, you guys asked me what I'm really looking forward to in Omaha. I'm, I'm excited to spend Fat Tuesday in Omaha. That's <laughs> yeah! All right. <laughs> we'll see you, buddy. Thanks, guys. <laughs> hey, more coffee and cream next. Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Hey, welcome back. Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. Any car issues since the snow came down? Maybe you skid out on the road, you hit the curb, you popped a tire, you needed to go somewhere. Where do you take your car, you ask? Oh, I haven't the answer. You take it to Dingman's, Dingman's Collisions Center. It is your one-stop shop for all your car needs. As DB said yesterday, he went in and there were people working on the front of the car, to the back of the car, to underneath the car, to on top of the car. So you know what's cool what they can handle on the fly? So meanwhile, they're they're doing front-end work on one car. They're doing the tires on mine after the oil change. And the gentleman walks in right in front of me. Uh, You know, I'm sitting in the waiting area, and he goes, Hey, you know, I'm Tim. I won't say his last name. Uh, I just called a little bit. My car was overheating. Um, you know, do I need to call for a ride and, and whatever he told him at the beginning. And so his ride came like 15 minutes later or whatever. And I'm just like, how about just the, the range to be able to field a call of doing front end work on the Volvo they were working on. You got mine up there just getting tires done. And then an overheating deal, like Mm -hmm. you talk about one stop shop. That's, that's one stop. And the response that you're given to while you're there, it's not like, hey, we're so, we're so busy that I'm going to take my it, frustration out. It looks out. like a car lot out front right. on 120th, but, 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 but they never take anyway. their frustration yeah. out on you. That's something that Dingman's is really good at is it's customer service and being there for the community. If you have any car issues, take it to one of their four locations or the standalone mechanical shop at 120th and Maple. They wouldn't be in business for over 25 years if they weren't doing something right. That's Dingman's Collision Center. DB, you know, something that kind of had, we'll talk about colliding thoughts. Howie Day. Collide. It's a song. You and I collide. Do, 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 do. One more time? Nope. (laughs) 
No, 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 <laughs> no. And it, it depends on what side of the fence you're on, and, and some of it has to do with, with age, and some of it has to do with sportsmanship, but celebration in sports. So over the weekend, we saw some, some things at the state wrestling tournament that got docked from, from team from team scores, mm-hmm. and, and that was if you celebrated by doing a backflip. Backflips have kind of been like a thing that a lot of kids can just do now. I can't do one. I'm kind of jealous that uh, you know these know. kids can get up. I know in the if air I could, I'd be flipping my brains out. Right? Exactly. Uh, but you know, it got me thinking about from all the other sports where you see backflips and and calls not be made we'll, we'll take football for example Tyree Kill does a backflip almost every time he scores a touchdown or some sort of backflip whether it's you know what I don't know what they're called when you do the cartwheel first and, and then the, <laughs> front the, the handspring with a round spring. off yeah is that, okay. is that what do, it is um do I remember your uh west side kicker doing that no, he gave the uh, yeah he he he, he gave he, the the train engine yeah. okay. or, or the rounding third yeah, he's, rounding uh, third right OTA is something else. But why are I'm dialed? Why are we trying to limit celebrations? And I know I know the the thought behind it. Like you want good sportsmanship, you want respect, but is a backflip really the thing? that is setting other celebrations apart because if i if you raise your hands in the air and scream you're not getting deducted yeah. if you um do three push-ups and you're acting like you're the strongest person out there and then you do like a couple of fist bumps you run into the stands that doesn't get deducted but why the backflip and you know limiting celebrations are okay if it has any sort of taunting mechanism to it yeah. but backflips are harmless i think i mean to me i just think it's a very harmless celebration i mean would you rather them scream in the other person's face would you rather like scream like solder and say the champ is here like what, <laughs> what what are you what are you looking for the champ is here like there is always going to be something or someone that takes offense to a move but I'd venture to say if you polled 99% of athletes or 99% of the athletes at the state championships over the weekend, they wouldn't raise a finger to a backflip being done after, after losing. Yeah. Uh, so I did a little digging uh, yesterday because I know Cody called and he said, hey, listen, you know what, if, if it's a Higdon deal, then I'm all for it. And, and uh, I, just, I don't necessarily think that the rule implementation started with Ron. I think Ron conceded. Came from above. Ron conceded being part of a greater good. I I think um, we're talking about Ron Higdon uh, with the ruling. I don't have any problems with it. I don't think the wrestling community has any problems with it. Um, but it's I've seen this thing go come like full circle. High school sports has always been um, pretty nostalgic and. There's a there's a way to do it, and we still you know we we do handshake lines, and um, there's just a way that I think the the pageantry we think is representative of how we really feel, and even if it's not how we really feel, we say do it anyway, which seems counterproductive to. Real Wouldn't you human- say celebrations though are a part of pageantry? Uh, could be. And not just in wrestling, but all sports. I actually like the way you worded it, though, because you said, 
um, it's not taunting. And if it had any form of taunting, then now, I'm like, okay. Now listen, I if he gave it. you one of these and he's back flipping and you know, like, but I just, I just think what I didn't like was kind of the whole comparing it to other sports because I think wrestling is it's just it's different not only is you didn't it like my example of comparing it to Tyree Kill is that what you're saying well yeah so the so what I heard a lot was was well in football that would be a 15 yard penalty in basketball mm. that would be a technical and I know I'm what like, you're saying and I'm like first of all None of those things are policed at the end of sporting events. Mm -hmm. None. So why is that? And I don't know why nobody said that. I'm like reading all these responses and replies. I'm like, that might be the worst couple of analogies I've ever heard of. Like, those things aren't happening real time. I can do whatever I want to after a game. <laughs> right? Like. Anything you want. Uh, we just referenced a kicker that made a game-winning kick. There's no time that expired. He runs around with like a madman talking about I'm dialed. He just made the biggest kick of his career. Nobody says anything. We celebrated it. So why in the immediacy after the match is over are we comparing it? Now, if he does that after he makes a, a, his, first field, his first field goal of the game. <laughs> well, I, that, I think you'd have something to say about it before. No question. <laughs> the, the officials no, had something to say. So – I didn't. But you're celebrating the person. Like they, this is a lifelong dream. For so these have kids. you? So listen. What's different? The, it's an easy conversation to get that analogy out of people's heads. I just watched um, Eli Gaith. He was playing for Miller North. I'm watching Miller North and Gretna. My man hits a game winner. Crosses a guy. Hits a little pull up. Bam. Game over. They beat Gretna. I, there's still a little time on the clock, so maybe he thought that they were gonna Gretna was gonna call a timeout, but the, the two seconds or whatever ran off. He stood at half court, kind of held his jersey up and just kind of untucked it, like just popped. Right? If he does that after a three in game, yes, that's a technical. No one said a word, at, nor should they, at a at in basketball. They didn't say a word to Tristan Alvano after football. Did anybody remember Millard South, Millard West baseball in one of the greatest high school baseball games of all time on the walk-off? No one said a word about the celebration. So if you're going to use team sports as your example, context matters. <laughs> when the horn sounds zero or the game is over, Nobody polices that stuff. Right. And in wrestling, to compound or to further make my point, <laughs> it's not personal. <laughs> and after the first two minutes, if, if they do a backflip because they're up 10-0, then it's like, okay. <laughs> okay. Like, this is taunting at this yeah, point, I right? Just, because now, now you're feeding your opponent when you have to go back into battle. It's, but it's at the very end. You know, it's It's funny. at the end. It's such double. I can't stand the uh, the whole double talk. Like, I'm kind of a consistency guy. Like, if I'm wrong, I'm going to be all the way wrong. But if I'm right, I'm going to be all the way right, right? Like, it's like, well, you know, we need to make it more fun for these kids. And it's such a grind. And they spend so much time doing X, Y, and Z. But in the same vein, up. Huh? 
You're a little too celebratory. I, I know you worked your tail off cutting weight. and Shoot, I watched two guys. Did anybody not see the um, what's his buckets from Nebraska puke on Sunday? <laughs> Yeah, and I was yeah. like, and I was like, oh, it must have been a lot of fluids digested after weight cutting because I just know what that looks like. But anyway, like wrestling, I don't know if it should get special exemption because I think it's such a difficult sport, but I think it should get special exemption. Like those guys and gals work their tail off. And if you have a little bit of youthful exuberance celebrating, man. Do you see a backflip halfway through the wrestling season in high school no. after a win? No. <laughs> you see it after you win a state championship. It's just like. And that's it. I've seen kids jump in the coach. How is that provoke. any different than jumping in your coach's arms? Mm-hmm. Same thing. It's all the same. All uh, of it goes hand in hand. I don't know. I think people are just mad they can't do backflips. <laughs> Be excited for the kids. Oof. Enjoy the moment with them. Don't limit it. Speaking of no limit, Joel Lorenzi up next. No limit. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Nine o'clock here on Coffee and Cream in the morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers, 590 ESPN Omaha. Now, KFOR in Lincoln from 9 to 10. We welcome all of you listening on KFOR. We're live on Twitter. We are live on YouTube. Twitter. And we are having some fun. We will get into. The quarterback talk for Nebraska football right around 8.30. We'll also talk to Scott Doctorman at 8.30, 9.30. My times are all mixed up, DB, after yeah, this Yeah, you know what hour. it is? It, it was too much sleep yesterday. Uh, probably way too much sleep. We'll talk to Scott Doctorman at 9.45. But right now, let's bring in Joel Lorenzi and talk Creighton basketball, the biggest game probably on the year for Creighton, uh, beat writer for the Omaha World Herald, Joel Lorenzi. Joel, what's up, man? Good morning, guys. What's going on? Oh, now, wait a minute. Yeah, now, we what? gave you 15 now, come minutes. come on, man. You, you can't be hitting me 15. with the D'Angelo voice at 9 when we gave you 15. What do you mean, man? You... I'm up. I'm up, man. How's it? <laughs> He's like, what Did, are you I mean, I thought, are about? we getting ready to go hit the studio? Are we getting ready to lay a track down? Or are we mad at, like, WAC 100? Like, what is wrong, man? I, is... can, always go to the, I can always go to the studio, but I'm up. Don't even try me like that. Come on, man. <laughs> hey, so wait. So before we get to Creighton Marquette, d- did you at least enjoy a little downtime with the All Star break? Man, you know the All Star weekend. All every every event was was. I'll, I'll I'll use a cleaner word. It, it was it wasn't ideal, man. It was, it was trash. trash. I'm it's not gonna lie. It's total it, trash. It, that was the worst All Star weekend I ever experienced, um, and I sat up to like two thirty in the morning, or whatever, to watch the replay of the 
the Saturday stuff because, you know, I was covering that game when all that was happening. Yeah. And, man, I mean, the, the dunk contest, I never got secondhand embarrassment from uh, a dunk contest participant like I did for Jericho Sims, man. I mean, <laughs> oh, that was grief. bad. That was bad. <laughs> so, Joel, let me – okay. I, let, one, well, we got to slide in one more NBA deal. So it's the one of the major sports, even hockey gets a pass because it's kind of open, icy, and people like to see goals scored. But the NBA, man, just can they recover to keep interest? The rating, it's atrocious. Like, they have to fix it, can they? The only thing that's worse is the Pro Bowl. But even that was better than what we saw Saturday or Sunday. I don't know about that. Maybe it was. It was close. <laughs> yeah, which 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 is bad because the Pro Bowl is literally after the regular season, man. Yeah. There's no motive, to, and 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 the Pro Bowl like wasn't wasn't. I, I don't even I don't even keep up with the NFL like I should. Wasn't Derek Carr starting in the Pro Bowl? Like <laughs> sure was. Like, good <laughs> man, uh, the the NBA they they need more. Initiators, bro. They need uh like a like Ant Edwards type guys who uh, Ant Edwards was pretty adamant about it. Um, after the game, you know, the wanting to try, wanting to, and he's all around like an advocate for um guys shooting up uh during the season when they're like eighty percent or better. Like he he believes that if you're closer to being healthy, you should play. Um, and you need more guys like that, man, because they, I think this. This new generation, and I'm 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 part of it, um, but I don't think this would be me. Um, everybody's just too cool for everything, man. Um, they don't want to be in a dunk contest because I was I was talking about this yesterday. Uh, the dunk contest used to be um, some of the best players in the league back in the '80s and '90s, and then uh, I think even ten years ago, the the guys who would be in the dunk contest were like the budding stars who were about to you know cross that threshold. Now it's like. Um, like Mac McClung killed this weekend. Don't get me wrong, but bro is on a two way. Like, <laughs> right? Um, it's just different scenarios now, man. I mean, no, it's hard to care about it, bro. I guess I, I, I'm not sure how much they could turn it around with one year, but I think part of it is the overall, the, the gradual um, part of them trying to constantly tweak everything and um, like the what, what what is it this the skills challenge like. Like who even wants that, man? Like the the constant changes and, and stuff have probably bogged it down, honestly. Yeah, it does feel forced a little bit. But you mentioned McClung, and uh, you know he's had hype forever. When he was at Georgetown, people were like, "Oh, watch out for Mac McClung." Then he went to Texas Tech, and now he's in the league, and he uh, you know performs out of his mind in the dunk contest. But do you buy into the McClung hype? No, he's. He, he he's play. not a great basketball player. Yeah. Um, he's, a, he's a good leaper. He's not a great basketball player. And the, the thing is, uh, this isn't going to like – I guess a good thing for him because I saw a graphic like he almost got his career earnings in one night of yeah. uh, winning the dunk contest. But nobody's going to go back and, and start watching his G League games or, or none of that, man. Like this isn't going to – Sure, he might have a, uh, a few more ID followers, and this sounds like real haterish, but it's really not. Um, but <laughs> stop laughing. But um, it's it's uh it's hard to like. I remember back in the day, like the Rosen 
was on the cuff of like stardom and, and he was in a dunk contest. You had Chance Raw, Serge Ibaka, um, these dudes, Blake Griffin before he really uh JR Smith became Blake Griffin. Man, all these dudes would be in a dunk contest before they really uh either as they just came to the limelight or, you know, when they were about to break through. Mac McClung is isn't about to see that, man. Right. So it's hard to uh cling on to these dudes who are in the dunk contest, which is usually, that's usually their introduction to the league is the dunk contest, man. I mean, sheesh, what about even Zach Levine? Like, (laughs) Zach Levine was at least somebody. They're in the 10th spot, at least. I mean, they got a chance. So, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's get to, let's get to the matchup because, listen, we know about Marquette's offensive efficiency. Uh, Calk didn't play the first time around. You and Andrew are having campfire uh, s'mores. Did you over. see what he wrote in his article? Yes. Please ha- tell me the word you found c- in his article. C- having Kalk Brenner uh, hand holding s'mores moments. I'm still, I'm in, but man, I want TA to get some votes now with Trey Alexander. He he missed Marquette the first time around. How much will that matter in a team with Marquette that's offensive efficiency, especially inside the arc, is so dynamic? Uh, it, it's it's a game changer. Um, I'm not sure how much you could throw off Marquette off what they do because they are still the top three offense in the country. But uh, any blow you can make uh, to altering what they do and um, you know blow up their initial actions and get them into second side and, and third side stuff, which a lot of teams have probably struggled to get them into, even as even in the half court. Um, I think that that does wonders, man. For for a forty-minute game, and um, obviously when we talk about anchors, defensive anchors, Cogbrenner um, is among the best of them, probably the best in college basketball. So um, it's a complete game changer. And then on offense too, like, um, and I think we saw this in the Providence game, I believe, um, when when Cogbrenner was in early foul trouble. Um, I think we talked about this last week. It's just not the gravity of. Cogman is a roller, man. Uh, just the attention he gets because this is a dude that isn't going to spam the post. Uh, not going to seal somebody off to back them down. Like this is a guy that, um, you know, ha- doesn't need the ball to score, man. Like he's going to take angles to to get in a position, catch it where he will score. I mean, he doesn't have to put it on the floor. Um, very different than. Uh, also, Iguodaro in that sense. Um, so you got to keep your eye on him, man. And it draws the defense, um, the angles he takes off screens. Like it changes offenses, man. So we talked to Fanta at eight thirty. We're talking to you now, and both of you said right then and there that because Ryan Kalkbrenner is featured in this game, that that's going to be the difference. But is that enough to give Creighton the leg up in tonight's game? Just one player, is that enough? Because Vegas sure as heck believes that that is enough, giving Creighton five and a half in this game. Yeah, you know, I don't like Vegas. I'm not a gambling man. I think... uh those lines. Can I curse on here? No. <laughs> well, you can say anything once. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think I think the lines be BS. Um, and frankly, man, I think Creighton might have an ankle up. I don't know if they got a leg up. Um, I think I, I don't know about that. I think the line is like uh, minus five and a half. It should be minus two and a half, man, honestly. And if I 
if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Hey, we all are wrong uh, occasionally. But, yes, sir. Uh, you know, uh, I, I think uh, this game is, is going to be really close, man, a one-possession game. Um, and Because I really, Marquette, um, with how well-oiled a machine they are offense, this, this is the team that, you know, for most of the league play has looked like the best team in the league, if you ask me. Um, they have, they've hardly wavered. Um, they haven't really had that, that down, you know, like since I'd say two weeks before the play started when they bounced Baylor, um, they've really been on the come up since then. I mean, UConn kind of got a good, went over there by a good bit, but, um, Mark, or Marquette has looked really flawless, um, almost, uh, so, this game is going to be really close, man. I don't know what people think is going to happen, but it's a one-possession game, if you ask me. Joel, let me ask you. And we were talking to John Fanton. He's like, hey, listen, Nemhard and Trey Alexander have to be really connected on uh, the defensive end to keep our guy from getting to any spot he wants to on the floor. And I asked you about the difference between he and Boom last week. I get it, especially – with a couple of, of Boom's last handful of performances. But what's more important for the W? Is it for Creighton to be more connected defensively in the backcourt or for Creighton to be more connected offensively in the backcourt to get Alexander the necessary shots that I think he needs to get to continue to be the momentum killer? I'd say defensively because I think once you start getting out in transition a couple times, you really uh, get a defense on their toes and then your half-court sets get cleaner and um, it just becomes harder to to stop your initial actions and and whatnot. So I'd say defensively, especially with such a good offensive team like Marquette, um, you really want to slow them down as much as you can. And you know, frankly, I think – I mean, if if R two was to look like, and the, the difference with Boom and Kolik is obviously Kolik is going to have the ball in his hands even more than Boom, and um, you could try to force him to score these days, but that that hasn't worked for a lot of people. Um, he's he's actually scored the ball pretty well this year. So, um, and then yeah. of course, like he passes the ball with the best of them. So, really tough cover. Um, so I think trying to put a lid on that um, would help them for sure. And then Cam Jones is one of the best scoring oh, guards in the league. He's now. So, so strong. Yeah, and so um, they're going to need that man. They're going to they're going to need the whole defensive unit to, to try to figure something out because also I think also in that first matchup um, was really like they turned him into a scorer, but usually he's like a combo of like a scorer playmaker hub type. Um, really, the, the playmaking is the appeal, um, and you know Creighton managed to to limit that in that first matchup. Um, and you got to imagine that certain Cogbrenner would probably allow that to happen again. But if he is to you know become a playmaker hub and get some of those dudes involved, it, it could mean trouble for them if Creighton isn't on their you know toes defensively. All right, think about this in the context of the question. We know about Cogbrenner's importance, and we talked about R two and Trey Alexander. So in context, 
and I can't even believe I'm going to use the two names, but I think they kind of are because of Baylor's shooting from behind the arc and shot selection and Kaluma's last couple of offensive stretches. For tonight, who's more of the X factor, Kaluma or Shireman? Hmm. Well, I think Kaluma. I think they need Kaluma's intention. Um, and I think, man, if these two should even close to what he ended up doing at St. John's, they probably don't lose too many games like that. Um, I don't know how many games they can win with Taylor going for 11 or 2 for 12. Um, but it's hard to imagine he does it for a third game straight. Yeah. So I'm just going to consider that he shoots, you know, 40% or something, and that can win them a game. But Kaluma, they need they need that intensity, man. The, the version of Kaluma they had all through January is a game changer, man. And then you, you factor in, you know, the shooting, which probably felt like an outlier at St. John's, but if he even remotely replicate that, uh, that we're, we're looking at a different game, man. Hey, when you look at Kaluma here, because um, I, I was talking to DB a little bit about this yesterday in response to self-reflection. When things weren't going right, he goes to the bench. He kind of has to find himself, but when he does find himself, then the confidence starts starts to, you know, it, it's contagious for the rest of the team. It starts to boom, starts to beam. And, you know, as you look at self-reflection for just any basketball player, how much greater importance does that have on a player's game versus, say, a coach trying to spark something inside of you? When a player comes to it on his own, how much better does that benefit the player? Oh, uh, I I think a lot more, um, really, because why not? Who better than to figure things out internally than yourself, really? Self-reflection is tough. Self-inventory is tough, real time. It is tough, and everybody doesn't have the mental space to do that. Um, G. Ben Simmons. So, <laughs> good, um, good, great. Really, hey, hey, but, but <laughs> you know, when you get to that point, that wall, and you find out how to move past it, not just, week to week, but in-game, that's a game-changer, man. You could just in-game like that. Um, it means everything. For me. so I think, it, it, yeah, it definitely means more when you are able to, you know, self-reflect and, and change versus, you know, motivation from other people. In your opinion, uh, on March 5th, the dreaded reference to March 5th, the last time you and I talked about March 5th, it was Creighton running the table. But let me ask it to you a different way. When we get up after uh, that weekend on Sunday, will we be talk? Will we be talking about tiebreakers as a determining factor in the Big East? You know, I, I'll let you know after today. Today, I think did everything. I think if Creighton wins today, they have the uh, they have the confidence to to win out, even you know having. Villanova, because they, they, people can't overlook that at Villanova. They're starting to get it. They they act like they know how they want to play now too. Yeah, and so um, you can't you can't overlook that Villanova game, um, even if you know Georgetown and DePaul at the end of the schedule can't over can't overlook DePaul either. Because um, I mean you're still they've, lost, the they've lost eight in a row, Joel. 
No, yeah, they're bad. I mean, you're, hey, you're the one that said that. <laughs> he said, hey, I'm not just going to overlook that. You're not just going to slide gonna, that in. <laughs> we're going to look if up they, on, if, on March they, the 4th. If they do want to go Shut perfect, up, they, they got to they gotta just squash DePaul, though. Because DePaul, remember, this is the team that beat Xavier when Xavier was coasting. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm not saying, hey, like, circle the date, but <laughs> – they, they, they gotta squash them, and then, um, so yeah, I think I think if Creighton wins tonight, um, we're probably talking about a, a tiebreaker or something. If they lose, uh, I, I don't think there's a shot. I mean, there's three games left, and Marquette would easily have the leg up on everybody. So, could, could you could you see Ed Cooley to Georgetown? I don't know, man. I I, I go back and forth on this every week, and. Uh, I want to say history and the Jordan brand and the things that tie into Georgetown make it an attractive job. But really, when you look at the landscape and put it in perspective over the past 10, 15 years, what is really attractive about Georgetown that would make Cooley leave what he's built and what he's made a, you know, a real – Popularity he's status, made, made Clo- popular close close to four million a year in a top a top fifteen basketball job. I think people think. Yeah, so um, is Georgetown on par with that? I yeah. mean, it's, I'm it's talking about Georgetown. Yeah. You don't think Georgetown's a top fifteen basketball job? Oh no, I don't think so. top twenty for uh, sure. I think we're 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 banking on nostalgia here. I think now, like, mm-hmm. uh, well, that matters. I can't remember. I mean, sure, but it would take a a Jesus level coach to restore that. Uh, <laughs> any thirty three year old carpenters out there? <laughs> yeah, and Cooley's a great coach, but uh, I don't, I don't know if he. Maybe he wants to do it. Maybe he wants to, uh, you know, flip the house over there. I, I <laughs> always, yeah. always good. Yeah, Joel. Joel, we appreciate you, man. Hey, enjoy tonight, and uh, hopefully Creighton can come out with a W. I appreciate it, guys. Talk soon. Thanks, buddy. That is Creighton Beat writer for the Omaha World Herald at JX Lorenzi on social media. Shane couldn't even let you get away with anything. Man. Comes in with the March 4th. Just waiting, March just waiting 4th. to bus roll me. <laughs> We're going to look up on, on March the 4th, actually the morning of March the 5th, and crammed uh, the table. Hey, we looked up on February 20th and saw Matt Rule could, grab his first recruit of 2024. They could still do that. Mm. 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 Run the table mm. from now. I mean, whatever, you know. They sure could. Is that right? Run the table? Yeah. I think I'm not going to keep my mouth shut. All right. So <laughs> do, you, do you want the answer? Yes, let's go. So I wasn't giving him too much credit. It was absolutely by design. I've always done eight weeks of training. believe it takes eight weeks to build players in a team. Historically, I've done eight weeks leading into spring break, giving them the week off, and then started spring ball. There's positives and negatives. The negatives possible is, is pool starting right after the week of, but eight weeks is definitely needed. I had to bring in guys a week early just to do so. I'm telling you, sure as I'm sitting here, without knowing any of that, what I say? He, he, <laughs> not only, so let's go back to what T-Mac texted me a couple weeks ago. Hey, he's implementing his system. That's why people believe. He's done this before. Okay, so let's operate under that premise. He's done this before. 
Yes, I have reasons to believe. But you talk about checkers to chess and realigning and doing things to date, bringing guys in a week early, weighing the risk-reward, the pros and cons, what's worked before in the past, and then the execution of it. It's like Eminem, one of my favorite rappers of all time. He's just not afraid. Just to take a stand? Just not, just not afraid. And I, I just had this feeling that he had mapped this thing out in his head. Well, that, that's the only way that it makes sense with Matt Rule. Right? Yeah, because that's, that's it just... Would, it would be weird if it didn't have any sort of design to it. Yeah. If he just said, ah, it's just kind of well, what I, I was wa- And I wonder, and I figured, I didn't think it was willy-nilly by any means, but maybe I did, I was like, ah, maybe I'm giving him too much credit. Maybe it was just kind of how the schedule broke. So I double did my due diligence. You know, I'm going, I asked a couple people in the know in the athletic department. You know, I, was, I asked, the, I call him the captain. I was like, hey... You know, Keith, when's the last time? So then he and I are having a, mm-hmm. a conversation, which gives me a frame of reference to whether I even need to ask the question or not. Like, am I crazy? And I knew the COVID year because, but he wasn't even sure the COVID year they had the spring break to begin with. So we threw that one out. Um, and it has it has been a while because it is late. You're talking almost the end of April to play that spring game. Nobody cares. <laughs> You got eight weeks. That's the number. This is the television date. We don't care who we're competing with. We'll work out the logistics of TV later. Uh, we're rolling. And they're feeling good. They're feeling good about what's ahead. And and I feel a lot better, too, about the active rest. Right. And speaking of feeling good, do you feel good about the quarterback room? We'll get into that next. Coffee and Cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Welcome back to the show, 888-638-4876. If you'd like to get involved, it's Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency, alongside Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers, and we are live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. Wherever you get us, 590 ESPN Omaha, whether it's KFOR in Lincoln currently, whether it's on TikTok, live right now, we appreciate you joining us here for our segment on positional reset, talking Nebraska quarterbacks and uh, we're also live on Twitter and YouTube, so we appreciate having it's you involved on. on the show. Lots happening, but lots still to get to as well as you know we head toward spring. Winter workouts taking place. March twentieth is the day that spring practices will begin. Where is your head at in regards to quarterback room? Is it Casey Thompson who officially said, "Hey, I'm coming back to Nebraska." Yesterday on social media, is it the new guy in town, Jeff Sims, who could be Matt Rule's so-called guy because it's the one he went out and got in the transfer portal, somebody that he fell in love with, the ability, the big, smart, dynamic athlete, but it also comes with a little bit of a little bit of turnover, inconsistency, baggage, right? Is it fundamentals? Somebody, it, yep, exactly. Is it? You know, one of the other guys that we aren't even saying, Chubba Purdy, Richard Torres, Heinrich Harburg, you know, all of these different names, Logan Smothers. There's plenty of quarterbacks on the roster, but who sticks around? Who stays? It's most likely one of the first two that we named. 
Casey Thompson, who, as you said earlier on in the show, is already trending upward in his recovery, which is great for that competition aspect Rule's been looking for because outside of that, if Casey wasn't ready for that competition, wouldn't you think it right away it's just Jeff Sims' job? And here's the here's the beauty of it, Drew Down, is, is um, Casey's such a professional. He's polished in what he says. He's polished in what he does. Um, you get the sense he's been here before. He's older. You know, he's 20, he'll be 25. Um, so he's not going to put anything out there, I don't think, to waste his time. Right? Pre-measured is, is what I'm saying. He's all business. And I'm just telling you, and he's a coach's dream and a nightmare at the same time because I always tell players, and I always wanted to be the type of player that coaches were uncomfortable with if they were on the sidelines too long. You want to be that guy if you're not a starter. Man, I haven't got, ooh, man, I have such and such. I probably, I got to get him in, right? He needs a series, right? Um, I, had two st- I had two really good starting outside linebackers, and I have another guy that I'm like, it makes me uncomfortable if we go three or four series and he hasn't played yet, right? So you want to practice that way. I'm telling you, that's who Casey Thompson is. He's the type of person that makes you uncomfortable as a coach if you're not playing him because you know he's capable. He's won a job. He's been benched. He's come back from being benched, and he's consistent in the numbers he puts up. 2,500 yards, 24 touchdowns, 12, 13 picks is about, like, just kind of pencil it in, right? And he's going to practice in such a way where he doesn't need a babysitter. So if even if I win the job and I'm the quarterback, I know that that guy's over there. He's going to go to work the same. He's going to practice the same. He's going to lead the same. He can, make you un- he can make you uncomfortable as a coach, and I think he's exactly what Nebraska needs. And I'm just telling you, I don't want to overreach. So context matters, but hear my heart. I think I know Coach Satterfield's personality. I think I know how he coaches. I think I know his delivery style. I think I know what – because I've asked around. I'm going all the way back to directional Tennessee schools, just trying to do my homework on initial impressions and stuff like that. You have to be someone that can handle constructive criticism, be an adult, and know that it's not personal. Okay? I don't know. I'm not saying Jeff Sims isn't. And I have to say this out loud because people hear what they want to. I don't know anything about Jeff Sims or his personality. I do know Casey Thompson. Casey Thompson fits Coach Satterfield's coaching style. Now, maybe Jeff Sims does too. I have no idea. But I have to believe he has some of the components. Otherwise, Coach Collins probably wouldn't convey what he conveys to Coach Rule to even get him there because we know the relationship between Jeff Sims' former coach that was let go the beginning of last year and Coach Rule. He was his defensive coordinator, and they get along well. So Sims definitely has to have some of those components, but you never, at least you think, but you never know until you're in, in the fire. Competition, I think, for this particular year at the quarterback spot, mm-hmm. in my opinion, would be good. And 
not only that with Casey, going back to your thoughts, because, I mean, you checked off a lot of things that, that fit what Matt Rule's looking for, but he thinks like a coach. Like, that's Casey CT? Thompson. Yeah, oh, for he, sure. He thinks like you. That's another strength of Casey's game because Rule wants a leader, somebody with that it factor, someone that protects the football. Casey can, He doesn't compound problems, typically. Correct. Casey can kind of stay in his lane, know what his strengths are, and not try to do too much, not try to overdo it. But something else that Coach Rule's looking for is somebody that's explosive, mm-hmm. which I would venture to say that's more Jeff Sims than it is Casey Thompson when you're just looking in, uh, in into the talent bubble. Somebody that is good with his legs, somebody that can uh, throw on the run, somebody that can make that that extra play, keep it going, keep keep the same down going um, for a good period of time. But he also wants somebody that can take care of the football and that's kind of been a drawback from Sims at least as of late with his youth and injuries and things like that so each quarterback has something Matt Rule's looking for but at the end of the day the word that we keep using is competition he is striking competition you don't want to grab two guys with similar skill sets and say hey go for it because you know what you're probably going to get at the end of the day is you're playing it safe by doing that. And Rule's never about playing it safe. He's always about grabbing a guy that may not belong and make him belong, mm-hmm. make him into something. So by grabbing somebody with Casey's skill sets of, hey, so a veteran leader, somebody that thinks like me, somebody that is probably a safer play but has gone through it before being a starter being benched back to starter and somebody that's young somebody that you know has maybe a more pizzazz to his game somebody with with that fresh mindset that fresh look by battling those two people together you're like hey I know what I'm I know what offense I want to run now with what quarterback I go with they're they're a little bit different and, and that's why I like the so-called competition word be, being thrown around with these two. I want you to be careful, though. And I want the fan base to be careful when they talk about running quarterbacks and dual threat, right? And I'm not – sometimes I think we look at a guy and we think, oh, man, he's this. Now, remember, Sims is still only a guy that's – he rushed for 300 yards last year. 300. On 87 carries. I don't have the breakdown yet of of those which were designed runs, but that's nothing where I was like, ooh, super dual threat, right? Like, I just don't. You know, the year before, he was 70 for 372. That strikes me as somebody that can extend a play. Okay, not necessarily that, that, that guy rushing the football. You go back to year one, 120 for 490. Again, that's only four yards per carry. Some were designed. You got to factor in sacks. I get it. I say all that to say there's nothing about those statistics where you're like, ooh, dual threat. Now, there's escapability and a scrambling component, but let's not just throw around threat because if that's the case, and I'm looking at a guy that's only rushed, he, who has – since his freshman year, has only rushed the ball more than 85 times once. I'm not sure 
about the word threat. That's kind of a negotiable, right? I, I, I don't know if I'd fight you over it, but I'm certainly not all in on the premise either. So is that RPO game? Is that the zone read game? Is if they're running GT counter and I want to hold the backside, am I going to RPO that? Like, there's lots of things I think you can do with that, but I know one thing you better be able – two things you better be able to do in this offense. You better, better be able to go through your progressions, and you better be able to play catch. You better take what they call the stealing throws. That's stealing. That's stealing. You better be able to hit those. As we continue our conversation with football, let's look around the Big Ten as we like to do a lot every week. Big Ten Whip with Scott Docterman up next. Coffee and cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Hey, before we get to our next guest, I'd like to take a moment and tell you about Acres Ale, one of our great sponsors on the show. It's brewed with Nebraska's corn. Do you like beer? This is a beer for you because even my family that came in over the weekend from St. Louis, what we like to call the beer capital of the world, tried an Acres Ale and thought, wow. Nebraska can put together a pretty good light beer, and that's exactly what Acres Ale is. If it can wow my brother, my dad, it can wow you too here in the state because it wows me uh, every week. It's Acres Ale, crisp and clean with that light, refreshing flavor. It's locally brewed, and it's the perfect beer to wind down your day. If you're looking for an option, next time you're in the store, you're like, hey, I need something. I need, I need my so-called cheat day. Whenever I'm having an alcoholic beverage, grab yourself a case of Acres Ale. You will not go wrong. At this time, let's change gears. We're talking to Scott Docterman. He is the Iowa football writer for The Athletic. Scott, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? Doc, man, I, I've been laughing the last couple of weeks. Because <laughs> I, I feel like I kind of know your temperament pretty well. We talk enough when we see each other. And I'm like, I think he's kind of misdiagnosed on social media with his real personality. Do you find that some of the most innocuous comments that you may have, like, get pushback? Or do you know what you're doing and I'm giving you too much credit? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm genuinely surprised by a lot of this I t- seem to touch a nerve with just about anything I do, and I and I don't understand why. I, I remember a, about a month ago when I was uh, doing something about Iowa's off season and whether or not they were going to be the favorite in the West. And next thing you know, I, I put something to the effect of that um, Nebraska was starting from scratch, and uh, I got an incredible amount of negative feedback from that. And then. And then I laughed this weekend when I see that Matt Rule said the exact same thing. And, uh, <laughs> and I think it's just because I cover Iowa, and for whatever reason, I don't know if it's a, you know, if it's a trigger or if it's just, a, you know, there's just something anti-Iowa in the water. But, man, I, I'm surprised, especially with the Caitlin Clark stuff, because it's not unique that she brings out the audiences. And I understand that there was a huge promotion in Nebraska, but when you're looking at across the board – attendance is up 4,000 over average at all Big Ten arenas when she, when she comes to town. and But uh, that seemed to really uh, ignite the, the Husker fan base for some reason. Have you seen a player like that, regardless of gender or sport, that has captivated the masses like she 
has been able to do? No, not maybe, in any sport. I mean, I she would is think wrestling, a transcendent athlete. Yeah, I would she think does maybe, so many different things. Where after the games, they'll be for forty-five minutes. She'll be standing there, you know, autographing shirts or fantastic. basketballs or shoes and things like that. I mean, she just she has a personality and a swagger to her that some people don't like, but I kind of think is hey, you know, it's welcome. You know, especially in this era for female athletes, and she empowers female athletes and. I mean, when you see signs of, hey, I drove 450 miles to watch Caitlin Clark, and it, I've never seen anything like it. And th- there's another great athlete at Iowa right now, Spencer Lee, a wrestler, mm-hmm. and he has the same type of impact, but that's really on the wrestling community. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caitlin Clark has it across the board. You know, Scott, there's no denying that some Nebraska fans may not like to give Iowa credit ever. So uh, don't feel don't feel too bad <laughs> on that front. You know, just keep doing you because you you spark good conversation a lot, and that's what makes you a great follow on Twitter. And if you're looking to follow Scott, that's at Scott Docterman, um, and it's D O C H T E R M A N. Hey, all bias aside, for you, do you think Caitlin Clark's National Player of the Year? I think she has to be. I mean, you know, not, you know, if you just take a look at the numbers and what she's been able to accomplish, she's right now, she's second in the country at 27.3 points per game, and she's second in assists per game at 8.3. Last year, she led the country in both categories. And I could understand it if she was with like a team that was like 20th or 25th or something like that, and she was just putting up these insane numbers, kind of like you see in football where. Heisman candidates are on a air raid, you know, Heisman quarterbacks on an air raid or something. But I think in her case, I mean, the, the, I was ranked sixth in the country. You know, they're fourteen and two in the Big Ten. They've got a chance to be a Final Four team, and they're very good. They got a chance to win the uh, Big Ten title, or at least a share of it, on Sunday if they win tonight. And um, you got College Game Day coming in, and then of course you throw on the excitement factor. And I, I think it's. Um, I mean, Iowa's going to set the Big Ten record for women's basketball attendance this weekend. And I, I think all those factors should figure in that she is the most dynamic player in the sport and, and the best player and somebody who's worthy of that crown. And I understand Aaliyah Boston is a tremendous player unreal. and will be at, uh, in the WNBA for years to come. But what, if, if we're talking about men's basketball and you had a, um, a male athlete average 14 and 10, would they get the Naismith over somebody who averaged 27, nine points and uh, almost and has nine career triple doubles. I, I just don't, I just don't see that. Yeah, I think you know it's 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 interesting because the the only real peer uh, I, I think she has would be, gosh, got to go over to Villanova in the women's game. I don't even think you'd go to Columbia, South Carolina, and when. I'm thinking about it as a as a whole, Doc. You guys have had some big personalities, right? Caitlin Clark. Uh, I think I'm watching Riley Moss and, and all his post, uh, you know, uh, All Star Bowls. Kind of his personality, his delivery. What is it do you think about being on that campus in Iowa City? Where I don't know if it's it's fact or fiction that. It's com- you have to be a certain way and have a certain personality to function because I can think of about four or five athletes in the past six or seven years that kind of buck that perception of docile, kind of go with the flow, hokey, kind of greater good thing. <laughs> it's interesting because there are some that, that are in that category and there's some that aren't. 
uh, I look at like Luca Garza and Megan Gustafson, and they were you know, they were both Nat- Naismith players of the year in, in men and women's basketball, and they were everything the maybe the older generation, my generation, unfortunately, uh, you know, <laughs> probably loves and respects being kind of you know, deferential. They had great leadership. They worked really hard. But then you look at, as you said, you know, with Caitlin Clark and you know maybe um, some of the football players and and what have you, and they've got really you know vivacious personalities. And um, you know, I, I think in some ways it's up to each individual person. I mean, Caitlin Clark is transcendent, and the thing that kind of has frustrated me, and I think a lot of other people, is in some ways I think people calling her out on whether it's Twitter or, or any other venue, in some ways it's sexist. I mean, she got a technical foul for saying damn it after missing a free throw. If they called technicals for every swear word heard on a men's basketball court, uh, <laughs> they'd be shooting free throws until everybody was out of the game. And, and so I think in some ways it, it, we need to kind of reshape our attitudes towards her. And, and I think she brings in a lot of the younger generation that kind of grew up with that, you know, from the NBA and she's just transitioning over to women's basketball. So her personality fits in perfectly with what people want. You know, the wrestling team is always like that here. Uh, but I think it's what a lot of people really want to see a great player express themselves in that kind of uh, way. Scott, I got to get at least one football question here um, with you because, uh, I mean, you do such great work as, as well as all the other athletic writers that kind of work around the Big Ten. And, there were some collective findings being done about the new scheduling model in 2024 for when USC and UCLA join the conference and, and if they so choose to, if, when I say if they, the Big Ten Conference and school officials so choose to go that route. Based on your findings, do you like the model that won't include divisions but one that allows for annual opponents? I do. I think that's going to be a really good thing for the league as a whole because we've seen a split in the East-West and and not only in the championship games, but, um, you know, early on when the East and West were there, the first three to four years, um, there were, you know, even the point spreads were like three points apart. I mean, Wisconsin was a favorite over Wisconsin in the very first one. Iowa and Michigan State went right down to the end in in the second one. But in recent years, it's been really kind of a a decided advantage for the East. And and you're seeing the Eastern teams continue to reach – see their ceiling or reach their ceiling and the West they've kind of played downwards. So I do think it's important for them to kind of switch up and go to a more, uh, you know, a holistic conference, you know, one that where everybody plays everybody. But I, I also think that the protected rivalries need to happen because there are some that are historic. I mean, if, if they're going to say, okay, we're going to cycle off Ohio State and Michigan, then what do you do it as a conference? I mean, that's ridiculous. And then you see series that have uh, history. Um, you know, Iowa certainly has history with some of its neighbors. And then some that have equity. I would say Iowa and Nebraska are that way. They've played on Black Friday every year since Nebraska joined the league. I think we're waiting for that spark. And for some reason, I seem to be in the middle of it every time it happens. <laughs> but, but, uh, I, but then I also look at USC and UCLA and coming in and they play each other of course but I, I think when you look at 24 protected series I don't think I think that's too many but I think half of them need to be protected the other half could maybe cycle off and, and here's something that you know that I've thought about that I know I've discussed with other people is if you protect three rivals for a four-year block and you, you then you'll play everybody else twice over that four-year block 
And then let's say Matt Rule really gets Nebraska going, and maybe one of their protected rivals over their four-year block is Minnesota. But but something happens with P.J. Fleck. Maybe he leaves. Maybe Minnesota struggles. That's maybe not a series that need, that either side, but certainly Nebraska maybe wants to protect it. But the Big Ten might say, you know what, let's protect USC-Nebraska because that's going to get great ratings, two surging programs in the Big Ten, um, you know, games people want to see, whereas Nebraska, Minnesota, if, if that's the case, might be, you know, a hammer versus a nail, and it might be on BTN mm. um, as the fifth option some Saturday. So I think that's something that will eventually happen is you'll see a cycling through. Maybe USC opens up and plays four straight against Penn State or, or Ohio State, but then it cycles off every four years. Scott, great stuff, man. We appreciate your time, and we hope to talk to talk again soon. Thanks, Doc. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Words are hard sometimes, DB. But, hey, for all of you out there, thanks for joining us. Chris Schmidt, Eliza Herbal, coming your way later on this afternoon. We'll see you tomorrow.